roses are red, April was gray, just this past Friday, it turned into May. Welcome in, everyone, to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. This is Patrick O'Dowd, here with you with the nerdiest bandwagon paddle one guy can grab into a basement. We've got DPP, we've got PC Tunney, we've got Dave Ungar. Gentlemen, how we doing this third of may when we are recording enjoying some nice 70 degree weather here and yeah the- right yeah we uh we had the sun the sun finally turned things got nice uh yesterday beautiful 70 some sunny degree day where i looked outside and was like i should mow the lawn and then um i didn't mow the lawn as me too <laughs> i did the same thing a good choice it seemed true i you know I did it. Uh, I did it a couple of days previous because you know the deluge of rain and everything, and the grass was growing like crazy. And this is total old man co- old man talk as we talk about our yards to kick off bandwagon nerds. And yeah, I just I didn't the, the effort the, the 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 thought was there, the effort was not. So instead, I stayed in and played video games, hung out with the little O'Dowd. Did a did a another we uh, Dave you'll you'll appreciate this we unfortunately watched the uh, the fourth Pirates of the Caribbean movie and uh, sorry is that the one with Pen- I mean it was the thing that's that one happened. of Penelope Cruz or whoever the hell oh shit, yes that's Penel- not good Penel- Penel- Penelope Cruz and Ian McShane um, as Blackbeard which um, Ian McShane is awesome so check out American Gods by the way if you've never seen that series uh, Ian McShane plays Odin it's based on a Neil Gaiman's uh, book. Uh, very good stuff. But uh, anyway, it's the 25th episode of Bandwagon Nerds, gentlemen. Uh, I can't believe that we made it to 25. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, I, I, I attribute it solely to DPP and Tunny. They, they, they are the anchors of this show, Patrick. Other than you and I. Other now? than you and I, of course. But you know. I mean, to pull the I curtain I see what back. you're doing there. I see what you're doing there. In case things go wrong, the blame goes around four ways. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we, we we did stop everything today on our normally you know scheduled recording pattern so that somebody could go off. So I guess you know there's that. Listen, before I get to that briefly <laughs> and toss it over to Dave because I want to ask Dave about something. Twenty five episodes. Let's give ourselves a round of applause. Here's to at least 25 more. I, All right. So, so totally expecting a this is awesome chant going on, but disappointed. Uh, disappointed. Sorry. It was just studio applause. How cheap was that? Laugh tracks. Yeah. Speaking you of need a laugh track. <laughs> speaking oh, of cheap, God. before it turns into summer in Wisconsin, I had to get out golfing again. I made a tea time for earlier next week, guys. I'll be, I won't be late, <laughs> but it was only a half an hour. I appreciate all of you postponing half hour of your day. I, I really well, do. Let's let's be clear here, fellas. It's not like this show airs today. We know it airs in a couple of days, so we have some leeway. Anyway, 25, 25 episodes in. I, I for the first time ever, I do want to go back uh, and just give a nod to last week's episode. Really well received, fellas. I uh, heard that. Um, I think it was Tony who gave us a little bit of a snapshot on uh, picking up some listenership, and I think we all know why. And you know, for those who hopefully came back, thank you for coming back. Uh, thank you for listening. It was a great time with Morgan from set, uh, from Sony as an audio tester and, and compliments all the way around from other bandwagon uh, and chair shot people of just how that interview went. Uh, Greg DeMarco, 
Very impressed, as always. No one cares what Greg thinks. Uh, you care what Greg thinks. Still a little bit. It's okay. <laughs> you know, just a, a smidge, a smidge, a touch. Uh, but today, uh, in celebration of 25 episodes, we decided to, to kind of change the format a little bit. We're only going to talk about two things. We're going to go into episode nine of Lock and Key. Uh, but we decided that it just seemed appropriate for the 25th episode that we end the video game project a, a week early and cover our top 20 video game console game or uh, say that five times fast uh our top 20 console games of all time uh here on the show for the 25th uh 25th episode and so that's all we're going to really cover today uh we are going to cover one other thing because i feel like dave has a story to tell dave saw some some unusual sights up in up in the night sky dave what what happened there man yeah so uh you know, I know I'm I'm a big believer in UFOs. I know Patrick, you are definitely a skeptic. I know some people are believers, some people aren't. Um, well, well, skeptic is a strong word. I I believe that there is intelligent life. The universe is too big for me to believe that we're it. Like I'm not that guy. Right. But uh, so my nephew's with me. We're sit we're sitting out that my nephew's a huge skeptic. Doesn't he? He's kind of like, well, maybe there's something out there, but I don't think they've reached here yet. That sort of thing. So mm-hmm. we're sitting out there. It's my, it's my wife's sister's birthday. So I'm cooking. It's like the tail end of stuff. We're cooking out on the Traeger last night. And, you know, we were all exchanging barbecue photos earlier in the day, Dan and I, and, and Tony and, and Rick and, and Rick, you know, we got to give a nod out to Rick. He was the, uh, the guy who started this show, and he might even be back next week. You never know. But anyway, so we're sitting out back. We're finishing up something. It's like 9.30, 9.40 West Coast time. And um, I hear a helicopter go overhead, and I'm like, oh, that doesn't really sound like a cop helicopter. Maybe it's a military thing. So I go around the side of the house, and I look, and I don't I don't see any helicopter. But then I'm like, and I'm like looking between this, 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 this big tree, that's in like the neighbor's front yard and I'm watching something go across the sky and it shines a light bright and then it starts to kind of like dim out and then it, it, it vanishes. And I was like, I told my nephew, he said, that was weird. And I said, I said, I, I thought it was maybe like a, a plane or something like that. So he comes over to look and, and cause I'm like, that was, that was really strange. I don't have a good explanation for that one. And then another one comes in right behind this and he sees it do the same thing. And then another one comes right behind that. And then another one. So they come in this wave of four that they all do the same thing. They're all following the same trajectory and they all go in the same place. And I, and even he was like, okay, I've got no explanation for that. And then a second wave starts and it does the exact same thing. So at this point, now we get my wife to come out there. <laughs> exactly. We get my wife to come out, her sister, my niece, they all witness it. My wife tries to film it, but it's so far away. I'm like, there's no way it's going to come out. This happens like two more times. And we're like, okay, too high to be planes. No blinking lights. Can't be drones. No one would coordinate drones in that exact pattern for five minutes. It, we're like, we're like, it's got to be satellites. But, you know, satellites in that formation for that consistently in the exact same place, it doesn't seem right. So we posted this stuff on Facebook. And started looking up and saying, okay, well, how long does it take the usual satellite to make an orbit around the planet? You know, 90 minutes to two hours, that sort of thing. 
So we're like, well, we'll see if they come back. And then in the meantime, everybody on Facebook started jumping on saying like, oh, it's uh, it's serious. The star. It's like, no, it's not a star. Star stays in one place. It doesn't move. It's a planet. And it's like, look, fucker, I know what a planet looks like. That's not <laughs> a fucking planet. I know what a planet looks like. Uh, and it's, I said, it's, it, it looked like it could have been a satellite because you know, I, I think, you know, one of the byproducts of the whole coronavirus thing is the skies are much clearer than they used to be. And you can see a lot more than you usually can. And so, and, and so this went on for like 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes. People coming up with theories, drones, I heard everything. And then somebody finally got what it was. And it turns out that this thing has a terrestrial explanation, unfortunately. And it's Elon Musk's um, Starlink, Skylink, or something like that. So I guess Elon Musk has been launching a bunch of these satellites, 60 of them at a time. And they go across and they call them like trains. And there's some videos like in Australia and other places where you'll see like 60 lights moving very closely, compacted together across. Now, if I'd seen that, I would have shit myself and said, OK, it's Independence Day. The one, the one we saw was much more difficult to kind of just like exactly pinpoint what was going on. But, yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, I went outside at like 1130 a couple hours later to see if they came back. I didn't see him again. But he had some guy on Facebook telling, hey, I'm a UFO researcher. What did you see? I said, it's got a terrestrial explanation, man. Sorry. Nothing nothing to see here. But uh, for, for a couple hours there, I thought I'd, find, I'd always wanted to see one. My whole life, I've wanted to see one. I've never seen one. I thought I had one, but I didn't. But it was an interesting, uh, interesting night around here in old uh, Bakersfield, CA. But I mean, it was so weird because I'm just happened to be looking in the right exact spot at the exact right time, completely randomly, or I never would have noticed it. I don't. No one else I know reported seeing anything. So that's my fun story for today. Womp womp. Sorry, I, I was hopeful for you too. <laughs> that would have been awesome. It would have. Yeah, I got to tell you, though, Dave, when you were talking about like your rationalization, you're like, you know, people people couldn't do this or whatever. I immediately went to. You're right, Dave. No human could possibly stack books like this. Uh, (laughs) No, I mean, but that's the thing, because I'm a believer. If you if you're not just if you're not just a, 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 a blanket, just, oh, I believe in everything. If you're truly like you believe in this, the first thing I did was try to debunk this thing because it's like, okay, I got to look for the logical explanation and make sure that this is actually something illogical thing to do with the FBI releasing, you know, confirmation that UFOs are real this week too. Nothing nothing like that. I wasn't like a a little mental cue for you. (laughs) Yeah. Here they are. Oh, by the way, they're real. And there's one in your front yard. (laughs) Dave, you're, you're that, you're that stripper chicken. Is Pins Day, right? Like when they do show up, you're gonna like climb up to the top of the building with the sign, be like, so pretty. Yeah, take me, Elvis. I hope they bring back Elvis. That's all I gotta say. Actually, I oh, hope they geez. bring back let him bring back Kurt Gobain, and, and then I'll yeah. be happy. I can't wait to see where that movie is on your 90s project list. But uh number one, that's, of a, course. that's epi- oh, <laughs> shameful. I I will say, um, Walking out of that movie, I may have chanted USA. It was just kind of kind of the, the vibe that, that that movie gives you. But enough of that. Enough of Dave's close encounters of the whatever kind, the Elon Musk kind. We're going to jump into lock and key now. Let's talk some episode nine. So 
before we go into this, Dave, I got to ask a question because you messaged and we're like, Patrick, I, I don't know if I can hold off till episode 10 on, on episode 10. I don't know if I can do it. So gun to the head, Dave Ungar, did you break the pact? No, I didn't. Yes. <laughs> he didn't break the pact folks. He didn't. Well done, Dave. I'm here for you, brother. <laughs> but, but yeah, after but you saw episode nine, so I, I imagine you can see where I was coming from with that sentiment. Well, it's a, it's a pretty big leave. I mean, you've got Dodge putting the crown of shadows over their head with the key in place and everything. Like that's a big, you know, big lead to the big finale. Dude, I thought it was so funny. Because as soon as she puts that on and she says, hello, darkness, I looked at my niece and said, my, my old friend. friend. And sure enough, yep. <laughs> and I know I put that when I got uh, that collect- uh, Essentials edition of Dungeons and Dragons earlier this week. I said the same thing. So I thought that was kind of funny. But uh, yeah, what a, way to, what a way to leave off, right? When you think they've got it under control. And I'm like saying to them, why are you bringing the fucking crown to her? <sighs> right. No, no one listens. No one listens. Well, there, there's, there's multiple problems with that. Uh, again... As with any other show, I always think of the movie Spaceballs. And there's this moment in the movie Spaceballs when Lone Star and Dark Helmet are facing off in Mega Maid. Yes. And Lone Star willingly shakes hands with Dark Helmet and he throw he takes the ring. And he's like, here, let me give it back to you. And he throws it. He's like, and so you see Lone Star. This is why evil will always triumph. Because good is dumb. Yes. Good did a lot of dumb things in this episode today. And and you have to do dumb things. Like that, that's a funny thing about film in a lot of ways is that there's always a lot of dumb moves that happen. And for me, the ultimate dumb move is the classic, we're gonna go do this thing while you all wait here. Don't split the fuck up. You know where you're going and you know what Dodge wants. So why would you go as just mom and kid? To the house to get the crown. Everybody go. Everybody go. You got a chance then. But no, no. Why? Because good is dumb. Good was dumb on multiple levels, but that that was a big one for me uh, in this episode. Like, what 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 the hell are you doing? Right. But, it, but it, you know, it, it was an excellent episode. It was the most, the biggest episode so far of connecting dots and creating. Yeah, it's inter- big reveal. Though. Yeah, exactly. Now, you know, Dodge is uh, something on the other side of the black door. That somebody had right. opened the black door. Uh, you get to see what really happened with Rendell and Lucas. Uh, what Ellie's real role is. How Joe actually died. You get to see mom throw out the liquor. So she's back on the wagon. I mean, th- this this episode was... Uh, you got And maybe you got a little jungle fever, too. Like, we didn't even yeah, talk about yeah, that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's uh, true. All right. All right. <laughs> she got jungle fever. She got jungle fever. But... Uh, you got a uh, fear monster, the fear monster running around and, uh, and attacking that people. Awesome. That was great. And then, and a nice little moment there between the bully and Kinsey, um, where she's like, look, I'm scared of you. You're, you're like, you're intimidating, uh, after it all breaks down, which again, we we've said for a while now that fear never goes away. Like it just doesn't go away. We all have fear and it seems like it's still living out and acting out after things that Kinsey is afraid of. Because it didn't attack anybody else. It attacked what's her name? Um Eden? As I'm so Yeah, yeah, whatever. Her name's Eden. Yeah, bitch face. Um <laughs> You twit but, uh, You twit face, right, Tony? Right. 
YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook, baby. But yeah, so many reveals that were done there. You get you, you like you mentioned, you get Ellie's motives um, as to what Elle's motives as to what she's been up to and why she's been acting the way that she has. You see kind of well, not you. You see why how Dodge ended up in the well or in the well room. You understand why Dodge so desperately wanted that. You know the anywhere key as it was described. Like you get a lot more. It is. It, it was the big reveal for the season, and now we get to to bring it to some sort of climax, where things will be sort of resolved, but not really resolved, because this is the way shows go. And so <laughs> it, he's it's, like mouthing not at all. He's like no. <laughs> so there there will be some. I mean, we know there's going to be a big cliffhanger. We know there's a season two. Um, but it's it's been building to this. It's been building very very. You know, there's been a bit of a slow burn before it kind of opened up and we, we, where we are. And uh, I think, you know, it was just little things that kind of told you what you sort of thought. Like you knew, for example, that dad wasn't an asshole just murdering people in basements. Uh, like you, you just knew that. You knew there'd be a reason. Um, I thought that, you know, using the head key to, to show the, the memories and it was done in a different way, in a way that we haven't really seen before, where it was like walking from memory to memory without like pulling them out. Like everywhere else we've seen these pull. Speaking of memories, we now understand why the memories in the tree are where they are and why they were done the way that they were done. Um, so just, yeah, hella good episode. Episode 10 is coming and I, I don't know that there's much more to say from it. Uh, other than we got a confrontation that's going to be pretty, pretty epic. I yeah, I mean, I it was it, I just want to see what happens. I mean, I want to see how it how how season one resolves. We know it's not going to resolve really shit, but it is going to resolve <laughs> season one one way or the other, and we'll see where right. they go with this thing. And I, I mean, I'm I'm anxious. I mean, I keep saying I was I was making the comment watching yesterday. It's like I was like, whatever you guys do, just get Bodie involved. Bodie's the smartest of all of you guys. Get Bodie, Bodie involved. Bodie stood up to him too. I love yes. it that they finally yeah. covered that. That Bodie was like, "Stop protecting me. I've been through all this stuff with you." And it was just really, really well done that he, you know, he stood up to their face and was like, "You guys are idiots. Shut up." I said it early on, and the casting for this is perfect. Those kids as actors in the show, they just they really fall into a really nice place in playing the characters that they're playing. You know. Uh, I, I whoever the casting director is, kudos to them. I also look forward to seeing how the the kids' friends start to 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 come into play in this last episode because we finally revealed ourselves. We revealed the keys to people that they trusted uh, outside of Kinsey's little circle of friends. You know, now we've we've got um, God, I wonder what's the guy's name with the legs. Um, I don't I don't know his legs. name, but I know I think all the guys the guy with the metal legs. legs. The guy right. lost oh, 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 I can tell you there's there's going to be two huge things that happen in episode 10, if I remember correctly, that I can't you wait don't for know, to die. don't know anything about. And uh, I'll definitely be rewatching uh, episode 10 yeah. before next week. So. All right. Well, then I guess we uh, I guess we'll we'll put a bow on it there then and get ready to kind of mark out over episode 10 next week as we bring lock and key to a close. Unfortunately on episode 26, we couldn't bring it all to a close on 25 needed something for next week. So this is a good, this is a good way to, to segue into the next phase of bandwagon nerds next and maybe final 25 episodes. Who knows where we'll be. 
<laughs> Way no, to be I'm optimistic, sh- Patrick. Well, you know, Rick's super, coming back. Super so five show, and see what happens. Rick's coming back, so the show could, you know, torpedo. We don't know. We could take a shit. Right. We could take a that major was, shit. That, that was for you, Rick. You said you wanted to be buried on the show. You've been buried on the show. Fuck you. If you come back, because you're not coming back. Whatever. Believe when I see it. Uh, i love that we've got sound effects now by the way i'm glad i glad we brought you know dv and uh and tony on board because dave you and i were just kind of like here's our song yeah and that's that's all we needed i just want to know dan do you have that theme song i gave you a couple weeks ago locked and loaded and ready to roll oh i can i have it Uh, i won't tell you yeah when it comes up okay All right. Well, we got twenty. We got twenty games to cover each, plus some that haven't been covered yet because we've talked about them on previous episodes. I think that's going to take up a chunk of time. So before we get into it, we're going to take our break. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network on thechairshot.com. You can also listen to us on Rajah.com and anywhere your podcast can be found. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. ChairShot Network. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Wow, that's extended wow. commercial. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Dan should have hit the Dan should have the video game music after that. I, I, I was waiting for it, and then it was just silent. Dan, oh. Dan, just, Dad, where is it? What happened here? I didn't know we were going right into it. You know. Well, yeah. Need a cue. I don't know. There's your cue. Here, I'm pointing the There's finger. There's your cue. There's the. Oh, there it is. Okay, here we go. Nice crack of beer right as it is. And we finally get to talk about that game today. That is true. So before we get into this, over under on me messing up the order, like number of passes at two and a half before I screw up the order. We don't even know what's the rotation today, sir. Yes, that's true. Well, well, I'll get to So the rotation is because we're just moving right along. So everybody's moved up. Uh, Patrick O'Dowd is first. Followed by DPP, followed by PC Tunney, and David Ungar bringing up the rear. So I, Just I, the way I we like it. Ma- go back to the odds makers in Vegas. Over on over under two and a half passes through these through this list before I mess up the order. I'll go over. You gonna take the over? Yeah. All right, all right. I believe Ch- in you. Challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. Uh, over under number of times Dave goes out of turn. And- Four and a half. How many? Four and a half. I went four and, four and a half. half. No, and under, under for sure, man. I'm just going to keep my <laughs> oh, mouth well, shut course, the whole of course, episode. Of course, you, of course you should be under. You you should take the under for yourself. <laughs> I'll take Same. the over, and I'll just push him to keep messing up. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. 
<laughs> nice, nice. I love it. I love, I love it. your support. But yeah, so to, as always. So today, yeah, the top twenty. We're gonna we're gonna hit the top twenty. I'm very excited about this. Looking forward to talking about some games that I know I've mentioned way lower on my list that just were held in higher regard. And so it's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, I get to kick it off. Uh, and this is the first of, let me count here. One, two, this is my Legend of Zelda series. Uh, that, that, no, I got it higher. No, 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 no. Dan. We know Dan, Dan's got it higher. I'm, I'm just kidding. I know, I know. I know. I'm just sure. kidding. Go ahead. But Dan, Dan, it is Legend of Zelda series. That to, to you, that to me is the Final Fantasy series. And so, uh, let me see. I got one, two, three, four, five. So what is that? 20% of 20% of my list today is a fine as a final fantasy game of some sort in it. So, and the first one that I have is, um, w- was originally done in the, um, on the super Nintendo as final fantasy two, but within the Japanese series, it's final fantasy four. So I remember this game very, very distinctly. Final Fantasy, obviously, uh, we'll, I'll talk about it in a little bit more detail on my list. But this was the the, the official United States follow-up for a long time, unless you had like a Famicom uh, and had played some of the other versions, uh, the Japanese versions, gotten your hands on those. And this version of Final Fantasy kind of turned things on its ear for me because it was the first Final Fantasy I played with characters. And the characters all were unique and had their unique classes and skills and abilities. You followed the dark Knight Cecil who um, was outcast from his kingdom. And I can't even remember the entire storyline at this point. Um, But as you went through his adventures to, and they were still using the elemental crystal storyline at that point, um, find these different, elemental creatures to to fight and defeat and reignite crystals you had a cast of characters that passed through in and out of the game but didn't stay with you um on the long haul until you got to the very end and you had i think it was four characters that uh that were like four or five i can't remember was that were your remaining characters and one of them was cecil you had his love interest you had a uh summoner and you had a ninja named Edge and a dragoon named Kane who was like evil but good. And they all had special abilities and different. But my favorite thing and what I will remember most about this game was Kane, the ninja, was the first time that you had the, this command ability called throw. And basically any item in the game that you came across, Kane could throw at an enemy for damage. And at one point you come across an item called a spoon and when he throws it at an enemy, it does 999,999 points of damage. Like, the, he he threw a spoon and it really, really hurt. And still didn't kill the final boss of the game. That fight took me forever. Really annoyed me to to try and win. But it really was a, it was an interesting take on, on where the game was going. Chocobos were definitely a thing. All of that was going on. Um, loved that game. And was also unique uh, for the Super Nintendo in that two players could play it at the same time. And so you and a partner could play the game, even though it was a turn-based uh, RPG. Two of you could control two of the characters in your party. The other could control the other two. So lots of fun. Enjoyed it. Falls number 20. It's my lowest-ranked Final Fantasy game on this list. Still ranked number 20, though. Well, yeah, I didn't mean it's important to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bandwagon nerds, it's important to me. 
All right, oh, so yeah. it's my turn. No, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> There's one. one. That counts. That counts. That doesn't. That's like. It's DPP's <laughs> turn for the record, you I big know, usurper. I know that. I forgot already. Dave the it. usurper. <laughs> Mine, I'm sure, is higher on somebody's list already. And it was our it's our title theme there for this uh, video game thing, and that's Mike Tyson's punch out. So there we go. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, my turn, Good. number 20. Uh, the NHL basically series, maybe in particular 94 for Sega Genesis. Does anybody have that higher? You do. All right. Well, Come then on. I will save. I will save something special for that. Nice. So uh, my number 20 is Mass Effect 2. Nobody's got that higher? No? Wow. I mean, Mass Effect, the first one was was great. It was very heavily RPG oriented. I don't really remember which one had the controversial sex scene between the guy and the alien that had people losing their freaking mind. But I, I like Mass Effect 2 was better to me because they kind of like they merged like a shooter with an RPG and they still had all the moralistic and all the great choices that you got in the first Mass Effect and, and, and you know, using like any good RPG, okay, where am I going to allocate points? How am I going to do this? Uh, how am I going to train? But they had, they had, they, they like merged all these different things together so well. Like, okay, we got some squad tactics like Tom Clancy. We got that going on. We've got all the classic RPG stuff like Final Fantasy or some of the Zelda things. We got that going on. There's some shooter aspects to this. Um, it just, they, they brought everything together in one of the best gaming experiences that I've ever gone through. And uh, one of the games that I definitely want to go back and play all the Mass Effect again because they're fantastic. Mass Effect number 20 for me. Nobody. Fine. Not Negative. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, oh, no. Go to number 19. Number 19 Jeez. is, um, I think you guys uh, had talked about it. I think Patrick talked about this one earlier, uh, and it got deferred later on. But number 19 for me is Diablo 2. And we got that yeah. higher. So no, I, had a, I definitely had Diablo one and two lower on my list. Yep. I, I mean, Diablo two is just kind of like, you know, you got the multiple races that you can do. You could actually be what the necromancer or something like that. That was a race that you could play and you're just going right. through dungeons. Just, I, I mean, it's just, it's just the ultimate beat em up. Just go through dungeons, beat the shit out of things, collect loot. Just, I mean, the, the quintessential dungeon crawl was yeah. Diablo two, a little bit. Uh, Diablo one was good, but very kind of like rudimentary and, and you know, Diablo 2 took everything and it like really accelerated that and set it forward to an entirely different place. It's just so much fun just going through killing everything in sight. Uh, you can go through it multiple times with different characters and they all play differently. And and the story, yeah, I mean, the story comes out a little bit differently every time you go through with a different class or different race or whatever it is. But uh, yeah, Diablo 2 is one of my favorite just dungeon crawls, slash people to bits, beat the hell out of people. It Number 19 on my list. Yeah, Diablo. I had Diablo 1 and 2, and for a lot of the same reasons that you had, uh, Dave, that for me, it was, it, it was, it was, this, it was this great dungeon crawl. The thing I loved about Diablo, Diablo 1 is that, well, you only had like three character classes that you could choose from. They, uh, they, the dungeon changed like every time you started a new game, and you didn't always get the same bosses. Like some, and, and I remember very, very clearly there was this one boss called the Butcher, 
that you fought at some point in Diablo one. And it gave you a really cool meat cleaver. Well, weapon that you could use as a warrior type. And yeah, you would hack and slash baby all day long. And I, I, I played both of those games to the, to the very end, all the way through over and over and over again, just click and click point and click point and click with, um, Diablo two. I always played as the barbarian and the barbarian had this attack. It was hilarious. The barbarian had this attack where he could like leap into a group of enemies, waylay them and then leap away. And so that was just how you played the, the, the fights is you just leapt in, killed a bunch of shit, leapt away, leapt in. Oh, so much fun. Love that game. And that game had like an overland sort of overworld sort of thing of exploring too. It wasn't just underground dungeon crawl, which is what Diablo one was. Is it my turn? 19? Is this the way uh, we're rolling? Yeah, I think, uh, I, think I got it. I think I got it correct here. All right. Mine is Call of Duty. I don't know if anybody's got any other kind of Call of Duty games moving up on the top of their list there. I had it no. earlier, Tony, if you like earlier episodes. So, yeah. Did we talk about it then or do we uh, wait for we, it now? We waited for we briefly mentioned it's World War II roots, which led to a conversation about Medal of Honor. Medal of Honor. Yeah. I remember playing Medal of Honor, doing the World War II kind of thing. But uh, I think the I haven't played it for a while. Modern Warfare 2 was probably the last one I played on Xbox. I think it was for the 360. But I just love the gameplay. I'm not a big shooter, you know, in games of that nature. But I, I like, you know, doing different missions and. You know, you're checking out what's going on on your radar, switching up your artillery, depending on the situation. And then sometimes you just walk into a shitstorm and you get your ass kicked and you just got to learn and start over. And I mean, Dave, you're, you're shaking your head. That's pretty much what you remember, right? I mean, solid game play. And sometimes you have to learn from your mistakes. I mean, I just remember Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Uh, what was it? Four was the first one where they went modern and they brought it from the World War II setting. And the World War II stuff was great. Don't get me wrong. Call of Duty original, and I think Call of Duty 2 was set in World War II. But like that opening scene of Modern War Call of Duty 4, where they're running through the streets, or they got the guy in the back of the car, and they're going through the streets, and people are just getting like like firing squads or shooting on people. You're like, what the fuck is going on? And, and then I think like the second Call of Modern Warfare 2 was, the, is that the one at the airport, where the massacre took place in the airport? I think that's towards the end. I know in between you end up going into like a fast food restaurant yeah. and on top of that building and everything like that. And I it's mean, like you're actually in a first world country having a war in one of their cities and you haven't never really seen that before. Right. It was never first world situation exactly how you're living. That could have been America for no, all you know. Right. And, if and, it was, I'm not even sure I don't remember. It's been so long. It's, I, it's some it's a Middle Eastern country or something like that. I mean, it, it was, it was kind of stereotypical and tropish at the time. Sure. But I think, you know, with Call of Duty, the the story gets overlooked because of the juggernaut it has turned into as far as multiplayer. And let's be honest, it has revolutionized multiplayer um, gaming. As far as we know, there's e-leagues, there's all sorts of stuff going on. It is, um, it is, it is a massive, I mean, the concept of perks and just what people can do online is great. But the story, if you're like me and you're more a single player than multiplayer, the story for all the Call of Duty games are solid and engrossing and, and, and it's intense, very intense stuff. I, I mean, yeah, that stuff that was going on and, and you're just like looking at this shit going on around you. Like, wow, what the hell is happening? They really immersed you in that whole thing. And it's such a radical departure from the first two call of duty games, which were very much like medal of honor, like we said, and they brought it modern and they gave you these weapons that you hadn't really had a chance to use in video games before. Uh, I love the call of duty series. So way to go, Tony. 
Woo-hoo. <laughs> All right. Number 19. I think I'm up next. Tecmo Super Bowl. Higher on my mm-hmm. list. All right. Oh, oh, two of them higher. All right. So I'm willing to bet this one's higher up on list two. My number 19 is the original RBI baseball. No. Uh, I had so, that uh, at number 34 on my list. 34. The original RBI, not RBI 2. It was right. different. No. Oh. I don't know what RBI 2. RBI 2 had all of the baseball teams. RBI oh. 1 had RBI baseball 1 had 14 teams. Um, and it had the American League and National League All-Stars. And it had, uh, because of RBI Baseball 1, I will never forget the starting lineup for the 1987 St. Louis Cardinals, which is my favorite baseball team of all time, even though they lost in the Homer Dome to the Minnesota Twins. But, uh, I, you know, to this day, Vince Coleman, Ozzie Smith, Tommy Herr, Jack Clark, Willie McGee, Terry Pendleton, Kurt Ford, Tony Pena, and then a starting pitcher, generally the big two, were John Tudor and Danny Cox. And then your two bullpen options within the RBI baseball game were, um, uh, God, I'm going to forget it, uh, John Daly and uh, Todd Worrell. Your bench players that could pinch hit were Steve Lake and um, Tom Pagnozzi and Jose Okendo, and I can't remember the fourth one. Is an outfielder. Oh, well, that's Played, disappointing. I mean, did, I can't believe that. Okendo hit a that? hit a big home run in that series against the Twins, if I remember. In '87. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember Okendo hitting. A, he was known as the secret weapon because he could play every position except for pitcher, uh, and is one of these interesting because he's still a big part of the Cardinal organization now. Um, has been passed over for manager jobs more than once. Um, and has led people to be like, why is this guy a third base coach forever? Why can't he get the big job? But what do I know? I'm not a GM. I will, or an owner. The other thing I remember about this game that was very important is that when you played the Amer- as the American League All-Stars, you could always take Willie Randolph, who batted leadoff, out of the game and replace him with Mark McGuire, and you would hit a home run first pitch every time. You fucking hate every- right, you do. Every 40, time. 49 home runs in his rookie 49 year. 49 the greatest Everybody. power home, power hitters ever. And Tony's got his rookie card and Barry Bonds rookie card. So that just tells you, you know, the kind of people I put my faith in and what happened. I, I don't I don't have a Barry Bonds rookie card. I definitely have a Mark McGuire rookie card or two. Um Don Mattingly was my favorite baseball player of all time, still is. Shave um, them sideburns, Mattingly. Right. Um and he was on the American League All-Star team. And I remember I also spent a lot of time playing as the Houston Astros on that game because it had Nolan Ryan and Mike Scott as the two pitchers for, and you just, you could strike everybody out. It was back brutal. when they didn't need to steal signs. Right. They did it the old fashioned way with their peepers right, back, back when they were in the national league, you know? So that was my number. That's my number 19. My, my number 18 is the next final fantasy game on my list, which I'm willing to bet will lift some eyebrows um, and how low it is. Because for me, it's Final Fantasy VII. Oh, God. It's higher on mine. Patrick, you'll have to explain yourself when we get there. I have my reasons. Okay. All right. I'm okay with it. I'm comfortable with it. Sorry. Well, number 18 for for me would be the John Madden football series. I guess PC Tunney has that a little higher. Dan, right. Dan, you, you get to talk sometime today, Dan. I, I have. That's ah, fine. 
It's fine. Listen, it's not going to be it. more than 20. It's not going to be more than 20 games. It's going to be less than 20 games because right, they're right. all in the same one. So it's fine. It'll be okay, guys. So my I got, 18. I got to talk my Legend of Zelda series all day, so that's fine. <laughs> and we've got and we got more of that coming, I know. Oh, for sure. For sure. All right. My 18, another classic. Uh, anybody have the Sonic series or any Sonic the Hedgehog game in particular on their it list? Was, it was it was lower on my list. It was lower on mine too. So like, it's been mentioned. Like, I have like, I have Sonic two and four highlighted on the Sega Genesis. I had Sega Genesis after I had Nintendo, and I I think Sega Genesis to me was one of the most enjoyable and playable systems there was ever created. You know, like you bring in the third button and you just have games that are fun to play for me. I, I really enjoyed the Sega Genesis and I enjoyed Sonic. It really did. Especially, I can't remember which one it was, but the one where you end up in the higher levels in basically like a casino pinball and you're just rocking around there trying to hit different elevators and stuff and you're rolling into a ball and you're really kind of figuring out how exactly to use Sonic because you're moving him in the air as he's going, right? And and it was just a fun game for me. I enjoyed the concept. I enjoyed the platform. Patrick, I know you had it on your top 50 as well. What are your thoughts on the Sonic series? So I had the original Sonic on it uh, on the on my list for me. I never uh, I never owned a Sega Genesis, but I've owned a lot of the Sega Genesis ports that have come out for PlayStation. I uh, my cousins owned a Sega Genesis and we would visit and they had Sonic all the time. And the thing that I remember about Sonic is just, it really did turn like gameplay on its ear a little bit because it was so fast and so smooth in a way, even the original one, like the engine and how they, how they developed that, which by the way, I've plugged this game uh, book uh, more than a couple times. I know DP uh, said that he picked it up after I mentioned it, but it's this book about the fall of Sega and they talk about Sonic and how much of a game changer the development of Sonic the Hedgehog was in that video game wars uh, and what it really did for Sega because that that engine and the way that it plays is phenomenal. The speed of that game is ridiculous. The the you know the ability to control oh, kittens. The ability <laughs> to control creature uh, Sonic in the air it was a lot of fun. Everybody's distracted now because there is a, a, an Ungar kitten. My wife in, in, in the uh, in the corner here, and Dave's wife. <laughs> Ratings always go up when Dave's wife is on the show. Let's hear I, it. What's, what's up so. with the cat? Tell yeah. us about the cat. They want, the you, name, they want you to tell them what's nine, going on with the cat. You're, you're interrupting on. the top twenty video no, games. No, you haven't time. interrupted anything. You're making the show better. Go ahead. <laughs> Well, this little guy I rescued, um, my friend has a truck that's parked in her apartment complex that was her son's. And um, anyway, this little guy was yelling and hollering for three days, and um, it took us a little while to catch him, but she finally was able to pull him out of the truck engine. And so today, um, in fact, I brought him in here to say bye to Dave because he's going to my friend to get into a rescue in Northern California, and probably once travel is lifted, he'll be going to a rescue group in Canada and get adopted out to his forever home. Oh, you leaving, buddy? Hey, hey that's um, what it's all about. He's old, and he's a beautiful buff color with gorgeous blue eyes. Yeah, he's a good one. So long, buddy. You guys so, didn't name him, right? No. You didn't name him, right? We didn't name him, no. So if you're a listener in Canada... Be on the lookout <laughs> for a, an adorable, adoptable like kitten in like a year and a half. If you live up near Winnipeg, a, 
Contact us at the bandwagon bandwagon nerds, Abe, to adopt a cat, eh? We're going to go oot in a boot. I mean, small, cute, cute furry creature is one of the things that was always part of Sonic the Hedgehog is when Sonic would destroy those robots, a little cute furry creature would bounce out as it was freed. So basically, and and, you know, apparently the story behind that little kitten was that he was trapped in a in a car. So Sonic coming along, along, saving the day. Good deal. But yeah, that's that's all I have to say about. That and that's all I got on Sonic. I don't know if you have anything to add to Sonic Day before you I, move into your turn. Not really. The stuff you guys, I mean, it was it was the, you know, I mean, it was the killer app for the original Sega Genesis. I, I mean, it was it was their direct competition to Mario. You know, like you were saying, the whole Genesis versus Nintendo thing. Nintendo had Mario, Genesis had Sonic, and you know, you could debate and argue which one was the better game. But uh, Sonic was just very different than Mario was. I mean, it just faster, different sort of level layout, different sort of level design. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was I don't know, was it like number forty-seven on my list or something? Yeah, forty-seven on mine. So it made a lot of ours top fifty. All right, uh, for me, guess going to my number eight. What's that? Oh, yeah. Whose turn is it? Is it your turn? I just went. I gave you Sonic. Not you. But I, but I thought of a good name for this podcast. This podcast could be Bandwagon Nerds Pussy Control. Oh, jeez. No? Okay. Pussy galore. Pussy galore. I, 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 I caught enough flack over the sausage party joke, so. All right. It is It is Dave's turn. It is Dave's turn. To nice try, Dan. Yeah, I know. Right? Way to go, Dan. Uh, my number 18 yes. may or may not be higher on Dan's list, because I know we've talked about this a few times, but it's uh, Uncharted 2. For the PlayStation 3. It's higher. All right. I can't wait to get to that. I've had the privilege of just starting it. Sorry, Dan. (laughs) No, No, it's fine. My number 17 is something I know Patrick had mentioned it on an earlier episode. I don't know if it's higher up on anybody else's list, but it's a Super Mario Kart for the Super Nintendo system. Higher on Tunnies. Back to you, you, PC. Lower on mine. We'll get there shortly. We'll get there shortly. All right. My number 17, and this could possibly higher up on DPs, but it's WWE No Mercy for the N64. Yeah, that's kind of what I, that's kind of what I figured. <laughs> Go ahead, DP. What's your number 17? All right. Let's see, if I get, let's see if I get one to talk about. Number 17 for me is Tomb Raider. And not the old series, but the new series of Tomb Raider. More specifically, the first Tomb Raider of that series. Isn't this the I game I, ins- I think I insulted this game a few episodes ago. You did. <laughs> oh, goody. I think you're a go, Dan. Dan's a go. Oh, good. Well, in, in, in similar vein of the Uncharted series, it's it's got uh, kind of a similar gameplay. It's a little more stealthy than Uncharted was, but it was you know a, a, just an extreme difference from the original Laura Croft Tomb Raider with the blocky boobs and all that good stuff that they had on the old ones, but they gave her more of a gritty look and really tried to tell the tale of her getting into this, uh, you know, <laughs> tomb exploration and things like that. What's with um, everybody getting a gritty reboot, by the way? Jeez. Uh, Fucking I like DC. blocky. I like that. I like blocky, blocky boobs as the leader in the clubhouse of the title of the show. Hell Yeah. <laughs> Give me a square ass any day. Nice and flat. Right. Just flat. You can go flatter. flatter I like my girls. Beer. I like my girls to go about 450, three feet tall, 
flathead. That way you can rest your beer right there. I got, oh, yeah. I got it. We'll title this episode Dem Titties. How about that? <laughs> Jesus Christ, you guys are killing me. Take off booties. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, DP. Continue. That's fine. I love it. <laughs> but <laughs> I, it just it hits all the elements of the things I love. You know, it, it has that stealth uh, element to it. It had a, it started off a really great story. If you go through all the Tomb Raider series, uh, whatever three or three that they had, really really great story. It gives you those kind of different elements. You go into one area where you do stealth, and then all of a sudden you're, you know, you get into another area where you're in a good, you know, in a battle with everybody, and you got to use a bow and arrow for a lot of it. And it, you know, it had those side side game elements where you'd, undis- you'd discover this tomb, and then you had to solve a puzzle, you know, to get whatever artifact at the end of the puzzle um so you had all these different elements together and it was a the a rare game that i actually did a hundred percent of all the side quests and actually got a hundred percent of the game because nowadays you know with these games and all the side quests after you finish the story you're about 50 percent of the way actually through the game so you know most of those i don't go back and play but this one i went through and found all the things that you could find all the tombs all the little you know whatever they were called but all those different little things that you could find and actually got 100 percent done in this game because it was just it was so fun to play and it just had all those elements that i love very cool very cool so that brings me to my number 17 i guarantee this is on none of your lists uh it's a game for the playstation the original playstation called brigandine any of you even heard of this game? <laughs> Tony. Yeah, Tony. Nice try, Tony. So I, I got to talk about my my friend growing up uh, in high school. is a guy named Pete. And Pete was really good about finding RPGs that were kind of a little off the beaten path. Whether he was, he was the friend I talked about who was big into like Sega Saturn, Sega CD, was very much like and found like and, and had a lot of great RPGs on those systems. And one of the games he introduced me to was a game called Brigandine. And the concept was simple. It was it's an RPG, yet it's a tactical, um, almost command and conquer-esque style of game, though much simpler, because it was a turn-based RPG where this continent is divided up into six kingdoms. You choose a kingdom, and the goal is to take over the continent. Uh, And the way the game worked is you had these characters that you could level up. They would get experience throughout the game. And they, they were like these generals and they had a certain allocation of mana points where they could summon monsters to fight within their units to take on other enemy units and their sets of monsters. And as you gained more land, your kingdom could summon more monsters. And so within the game, there were a couple of different metrics. There was the max amount of points that your um, kingdom generated for you to be able to use and summon monsters. And then each of your generals had a specific allocation of points. So you couldn't just like overload a particular character with different stuff. And they all had their strengths, and their weaknesses, and they maxed out, maxed out at a level of 30. But every 10 levels, their class could be changed and they would gain new powers according to how they're changed classes change and they had different branches um each of the kingdoms with the exception of one that was kind of quote unquote the bad guy kingdom was like a difficulty level on the game and so there were two kingdoms that were considered easy there were two kingdoms that were considered um in the middle and 
there was one kingdom that was really freaking hard. Uh, but I played this game over and over and over and over again. And the thing that was particularly challenging with it is you only had so many years like in game. You had only so much time before you were either successful or this creature was unleashed upon the continent and destroyed it. So not only was it that you were trying to like take over these lands and trying to build your resources, you couldn't just stockpile yourself because if you did, the game would end and you never even lost a battle. So it was a lot of fun and it had side quests where you could recruit other people. Every time you um, took over a, con- a country within the continent, some of their soldiers joined you. And then in one of the most frustrating parts of this game was three countries had a different member of this particular family. And if you went to battle against one of the other countries and you had the wrong member of that family, they would have a conversation and leave your battle and join the other country. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was a very simple game. It was a a great time. I played it for hours over and over and over again. And you could do that and you could level up your monsters. You could evolve your monsters. It's good stuff. Lots of fun. PlayStation one, Brigandine don't have a PlayStation to play it anymore. Wish I did. They haven't ported that to like the PlayStation Four or anything like that. Nope. Shit, that's it. Is it? Yeah, it is just one of those casualties of the PlayStation Network and the non-backwards compatibility. I think you can get a PlayStation online for like twenty bucks. Yeah, it's twenty bucks. I don't need to spend right now. Can borrow mine. (laughs) I'll 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 pay for the shipping. Yeah, that'll be more than twenty bucks. (laughs) Mail Dan a letter with with postage. (laughs) And he'll send you his PlayStation. I'll, I'll shoot you the list. I'll shoot you the list. Yeah. <laughs> oh, still me. Still you. Um, sorry. There it turn, is. Turn. There's one. So turn. There it is. There's one. You said over two and a half, right? So it's because I got to talking too much about Burgundy. The next game that I have is an app game that I'm sure none of you have. It's a, it's golden, it's a game. Golden tea? No. It's, oh, okay. it's a game called it's a game called Castle Crush. And it's it's a like card Candy crush. No, it's not. No, it's no, not. It's castles, douchebag. Oh, Castle oh. Crush. It is a pretty simple game where you have a castle and you have to defend it. You have three lanes with which to defend, which with with which to use to defend your castle, and you earn cards that have different types of soldiers that do different things. Everything from fighters to archers to supernatural creatures like angels and demons. There are other cards that you can use to like fortify your castle or attack the, the you know troops that are coming after you without using your characters. And basically you try to earn trophies to up your level of castle up to a, a certain point. And then you start to enter tournament modes where you you get more uh you you just get more perks and it's i it's a time suck like it's got me dedicated in such a bad way like you earn treasure chests when you win that take three hours to open and you can only have four treasure chests at a time so you can't like if you battle when your treasure chest slots are full you actually kind of get punished by the game's algorithm like it sets you up against somebody you can't beat allegedly you're playing against a person Uh, but we all know that that's not always true. There's always bots, but it is like every, every three hours I'm like back on checking to see, Oh, what do I got? And opening up spots so that I can keep playing, uh, thoroughly addicted to that game. 
it is another one of those annoying in-app purchase games, though, where if you really want to get moving, you got to actually spend real money. I don't. I'm a grinder. I'm okay with kind of where I am. You're not not a whale then, huh, Patrick? (laughs) I actually played a game kind of like that phone game, like that Boom Beach. I don't know if any of you heard of Boom Beach back in the day. I, I played that a lot. I got really high up without spending any money. To me, those games, it's like you can't compete with the people above you that you know. They've been on it for less time. They have less experience. You can see they're comparing stats and things of that nature. You know they're spending money. Like, I have no need to spend $100 on a fucking game for my phone. You know what I mean? It's like this is just a pastime in between. I'm going to try and get as far as I can here. I feel the same way as you, Patrick. And you just kind of have to, you know, early on you fucking rock it because you're a video game person and you know what you're doing. But you hit that wall where where the build is a lot slower. Right. Marvel Strike Force is the big one for me on the phone. I mean, that's a tremendous game. But, yeah, at some point you're almost like, well, I almost got to pay something to kind of get to that next level. Right. DP, any any phone addictions, DP? No. Moving on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Well, I try not to. I try not turn, to. I, I played a handful. I've done like Simpsons right. Tapped Out. I've tried that. I played it for a little bit. And uh, there was a SimCity Build It one, I think, too, that they had for a while. And I played them. But yeah, eventually you kind of reach right. almost that point where you need to spend money or you're waiting an entire day before your next upgrade comes through or something. And it's just not fun anymore. DP, tell yeah. me, tell me that Farmville is not on your list, please. Far, uh, can we go to 51? Not 51? <laughs> I'll make an exception for you. That's funny. That's <laughs> funny. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think, I think Tony hit on it best in that you just kind of recognize what, that the app game is what it is and what it like, what it still is. Like I have yet to come across an app game that isn't trying to turn a profit on you. Uh, and if like, I'm, I'm okay with just sort of grinding it out and kind of hitting that limit. Like I'm at about where I can go right now until I earn a ridiculous amount of in-game coins without buying them to, to move forward. So it is what it is. And life goes on DP to you. Number 16 for me is Mario 64. I had it lower. I had it lower. Okay. I didn't know a 64. That was for Mario for N64? Uh, Yep, Mario for N64. All right. Very good. This one, uh, you know, remembering when the N64 was first released and was I was so excited for it and the the possibilities that they had with this new console and being able to see Mario in 3D and just such a different vibe than what you were used to for all the other previous Mario games was just so awesome. It was it was just one of those like kind of awe-inspiring moments when you first turned that on. It was like, holy shit, like even the beginning screen when he pops up and he's got a big giant head on the main menu and you could mess around with it and stretch things out and just play around before you even started was kind of was just fun. And getting into the game and being able to have, you know, Mario in a 3D world with the camera behind him and not just 2D and the whole thing of, you know, having all the, you know, going actually into the castle and you're, you jump through portraits to get to your levels. And they had, you know, each level had, I think it was five different endings. Basically you had to collect all the stars and there was five or six, might've been six, five different stars in each one of these paintings that you had to go through. And like, you couldn't do them all in one time. You had to do, you got to one and then you'd basically start all over and it could, you know, would change 
the level a little bit when you were going for a different star, some of the things altered in the, in the actual, you know, level itself and having all these different levels and each one of them was different. You had underwater levels, you had ones where you were doing more platform jumping or ones you just had to climb kind of to the top of the mountain and end up fighting a kind of a big boss was just, it was so different at the time. It was so awesome to play. There were so many great games for the Nintendo 64. It was it was just such a next level evolution from Super Nintendo and Sega to you know 64 bits. Things are in 3D. You're not just in this linear platform anymore. The possibilities just changed so much. And that game was the first one that got me into that. I can't add, I mean I had it what 33? I think it was number 33. But yeah, you you summarize it perfectly, Dan. It was it was the uh, the next evolution of Mario games where they left the two D side scrolling, and now all of a sudden it's fully three D, and and, and and it was a great game. I mean, it really was. They kept a lot of the the level design that made the earlier stuff so great, and they just implemented it, wrapped it around this three D thing. It's uh, it, arguably very difficult for them to have replicated that since then. So I totally remember watching db play that game (laughs) (laughs) it's fantastic agreed if it was george hamilton it'd be fantastic uh is it my turn 16 all right mine is f0 for the super nintendo entertainment system nice classic game classic classic game i sucked at it and therefore did not make my list (laughs) a playable game right enjoyable game like basic concept with really cool things going on almost like excite bike on speed right like here this is the new version here's your excite bike and then you could i think there were other versions of it later on too where you had even more uh, vehicles to choose from and even better ramps and power-ups and courses but i just remember going through it and enjoying the courses and then like playing against the computer in, in different races and things of that nature and you had to have a little bit of skill. You had to figure it out a little bit where you're going to hit certain power boosts to get up over ramps or if you're going to take a different path and who you would wait to, for certain courses to be in the lead at the end because there was something coming always. So I, I really enjoyed the game, and I always talk about playability and enjoyment, and, and this was one of them you just hard for me to put down. I don't know if you guys played any of this at all or other iterations, but F-Zero to me, what a, what a solid gaming concept. I played quite a bit of it on the GameCube, whatever that version was. And that was a great sure. game too. But yeah, I mean So your yours was the more enhanced version that I'm talking about that was even better. So Yes, Tony. Mine is more enhanced than yours. That's right. So number sixteen, Mr. <laughs> Ungar. God damn it, Dave. <laughs> um speaking of the of GameCubes and more enhanced versions of things, my number sixteen is Metroid Prime for the GameCube. I don't know if anybody's got I like Dan's I, talk, huh? I should have had that on my list. That's this the whole Metroid. Yeah, the, go ahead. I mean, like Metroid is 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 a classic game. A lot of people don't like it. A lot of people think of it as like a, a Mega Man sort of a situation. But like Metroid Prime, kind of brought the whole franchise 3D, like Super Mario 64 did, and introduced all this cool stuff. I mean, Samus. Shamus, Samus, whatever I, however you pronounce it, Samus, 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 not Seamus, but but Samus, um, who you know, I, I remember like when the, she got first revealed as being female, it like blew people's minds, and then here she's just totally the suit, you know, the stuff you can do with the suit, 
and to be able to turn yourself into the morph ball and roll all the way around and all the levels were just so well laid out and they just expanded the the creatures that you interact with and they and i know a lot of people complain because it was tedious yeah you were in to scan every creature to put it in your inventory but then you could read about the creature and it would tell you okay here's how you approach it here's how you attack it uh and, and the story was so great and you just I mean, one of the deepest and best games that they ever released on the GameCube. In my opinion, the best installment in the Metroid series. So, Metroid, Pro- Metroid Prime, number 16 for me. Well, we'll, have, we'll have an argument about the best Metroid game in, in a little bit. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, oh them's fighting words then. So. Yeah. Now, now, now I feel like we need some Mortal Kombat music. Oh, we're Mortal here. Kombat! Oh, we're getting there shortly. <laughs> uh, number 15 David. my number 15 is my opinion the greatest superhero game of all time and there's been some trash superhero games superman 64 anybody boy what a train wreck oh, that one boy. was Woo! stinking up the place man only big rigs is probably worse than that but uh yeah <laughs> my, this is my favorite superhero game of all time batman arkham city xbox 360 oh higher up on dan's it is uh you you are correct, sir. All right. So we'll have we can table it. For we will a bit. we will table it for a little while. Then back to Tony. You you, un, you undersold it. I guess so. <laughs> All right, guys. Super Mario Kart time. Let's do Sounds it. Sounds like a good time to me. Fuck you and your mushrooms and your rain. Goddamn turtle shell. Let's, let's just start here. The game was the red great, turtle but how, shells. But how about how about Rainbow Road, baby? Man, once you got down and going in that game, it was so fun. There were so many different things to do. It, it was one of those games, once again, playability, enjoyment. You could sit down, you could play it forever, you get sick of it. But the further you went on your own, the harder it got. And it got pretty hard as far as games were at that time. And I'm talking Super Nintendo Entertainment System. That was so fun with your friends or by yourself. Dave, I see you shaking your head. I mean, it's a classic, and other iterations have followed. And I know people that I work with that they can't get together right now. They're doing it over whatever on the Wii or whatever with the Super Switch, Mario Kart Switch. having dad night. The Switch, yeah. They're yeah, playing the it. They're, they're drinking beers, the dad night, drinking beers and playing Switch. They're grabbing their, you go to bed, little little Johnny, and I'm going to play your Switch and drink beer with the other dads. Drive drunk. Why not with power-ups, no less. <laughs> with power-ups. It's like, so. it's like right. golf. They even, they, even send you, they even send someone out there to refill your drinks while you're driving out there. It's fantastic. There, there's other, you know, other versions of Super Mario Kart that they've come out since then. You know, Mario Kart Double Dash was an underrated game, I, in my opinion. They've done other stuff since then. But yeah, as far as the origin of this, um, yeah, Super Mario Kart for the Super Nintendo. I mean, let let's take a a, a a racing game and make it fun because a lot of the racing games were just pretty kind of boring by this point in time. You know, we'd we played pole positions and. This is well before stuff like Gran Turismo came out, but they took the racing game concept. Hey, let's make this cool. Let's give these cars superpowers. And each one does something differently. So you've got advantages against other people, disadvantages, and some of the powers were overpowered, sure, and could turn a race completely in your favor. But just Red Turtle. Yeah, <laughs> Red, Red Turtle. Red thing, Shell, you're fucked. Exactly. That thing Guy is in like front a, of you is done. The homing, no matter where he goes. The homing beacon on that bad boy, uh, man, uh, just such a great game. I mean, it's so and it's so diverse as to what you could do, and, and and taking the Nintendo catalog of characters and putting them into cars, which each one does something different, was brilliant. Who would you be? Who would you be? I was always Mario. I was just keep it stock, baby. 
I would say probably Mario. I think like um, I don't know if it was later on, but like Waluigi or something like that. I'm not sure if he was in the later game. He was the later one. You're like a you're a you're a you're a uh, (laughs) you're a Donkey Kong guy, aren't you? Not a chance. No way. I was Toad. Toadstool. Yeah, there you go. Always Toadstool. He was great. He was awesome. That was that was the other thing too about that game, like you mentioned. Take all the Nintendo characters that you that you love and put them in a game too that you could play as them. You could play as Donkey Kong. You could play as Bowser, you know, and, and Princess Peach and all of just and they gave all everybody a chance. They all did different and they, things. Yeah, each cart was different, you know, and then add a battle mode in there. Something they didn't really do oh, before that, battle where mode. you could play yes. in those battle modes against your friends and and Fucking just balloons. drive around your carts. And yeah, it was that was just it was so innovative. It was so different. It was really cool. Nicely done. We've been waiting a while to talk about that one. Good job, Tony. It's fine. <laughs> the quick, Boy, the definition, like we about the definition of unimpressed is Patrick right now. Mario Kart is, is like the DC of video games, apparently. There's <laughs> <laughs> no, no Final no, Fantasy no. characters in there. so No, 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 no Final Fantasy characters. All right, 15. Who's next? I think it's DP. DP. Back to me. Number 15 for me was the NBA 2K series PC. All right. There we go. All right. So that brings it to me and yet another app game. I know after we just ripped on app games, but it's a game I'm having a wild amount of time playing. I really enjoy it. And actually this weekend, first time I've been annoyed with the requirement of in-app purchases to do anything useful. It's called Disney Emoji Blitz. And so it is a it's kind of like a cast like a candy crush sort of game matching match above games but the things you match up are dis- different Disney characters as emojis and you basically you get a minute to get as high a score as possible the emojis as you use them get points and level up and you collect coins and play through various sort of missions to level your player level up to gain Disney emojis that you can then use on your phone as emojis when talking to your friends. And so, yeah, and it's, it's one of those things like there's enough emojis to earn where I haven't gotten annoyed until this weekend when they did a star Wars weekend where you played this mission, like it has these different missions, but you can only play through the first level map with any emoji you want and then after that, you have to have one of their Star Wars characters, which you have to buy because none of them are earnable yet. So it was the first and it was the first time that this has ever happened in the game that I've seen where it's come across. something like, well, that sucks. And you can earn like you earn these gems that you can then spend on special emojis. But like I literally used my 200 to get one and brought myself back down to like not enough right before this event. So that was the other kick in the teeth is like, I could have done it and then wasted it on something, not thinking about what tomorrow was. Um, but it's, it's fun. And each of the characters, um, as you play, as you clear emojis away, you can get it into blitz mode, which gets you higher scores. Um, but the characters also have a meter and every time you line them up, whichever character you choose for that go around, they have a special ability too that does something that allows you to clear emojis away or puts out power-ups and things like that. I find it a lot of fun. I haven't plateaued on it yet and the levels continue to be attainable levels within the game. So I haven't had to spend any money on it 
in order to like play it and keep going. And I'm at like, I'm like at level 45. So like I've been playing it quite a little bit uh, to get it. And basically you get 20 little submissions to complete before you um, level up. So nope, not that one. Not, not, not that one either. <laughs> so it's loading. Please wait. Golden T. There's, there's Tony. He's a world qualifier. All right. Um, my, my next game on the list, I think this is 14. Yep. If I'm not mistaken is, um, a pair of games, Marvel ultimate Alliance one and two for the PlayStation two and three. They, they're action RPGs with Marvel characters. There is an, I want to say there is an Xbox version, a PlayStation three version and back in the days you guys remember the psp oh yeah um, oh yeah there, still there have was one. a psp still have one uh, i do too i don't know if it still works um but i i liked marvel ultimate alliance one so much that i bought the playstation 3 version and the psp version and the thing that was uh fun about the, those games was depending on which system you bought you got different characters uh as part of the Alliance group that you could pull in. And so Marvel ultimate Alliance one, you, you always got to play with four Marvel characters and Marvel ultimate Alliance one, Dr. Doom. You're, you're just trying to stop Dr. Doom from taking over the multiverse. That's the basic storyline. And Nick Fury is calling people in to, uh, to help. And you start on this helicarry on one of the helicarriers with captain America, Thor, Iron Man, and or no, sorry, that's wrong. It's Captain America, Thor, uh, Wolverine, and Spider-Man. You earn Iron Man later. And you would go through and you would play through these various levels. And after you played through the introductory sort of tutorial level, it gave you this gallery of um, Marvel characters to choose from to make up a team of four, all with unique abilities and moves. As they defeated things, they got experience and coins and levels, and their powers got different and more varied and would build up. Um, And throughout the game, you would earn more characters as you either completed levels or found, like, my favorite example in Ultimate Alliance 1 was uh, Daredevil was an unlockable character, but you had to go through the different levels and find little miniature statues of Daredevil, and you had to collect five of them. And you had to do that for Daredevil, and you had to do it for Black Panther, um, and somebody else. I can't remember who the other one was. And I loved it. Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2, same basic concept, except they injected the Civil War comic book storyline arc. And so you played up to a certain point in the game before the um, superhero registration act happens. And you have to choose whether to join captain America or iron man. And depending on which one you do, the game splits and you then are taking on that side of the story arc. And some of the characters aren't available to you because they joined the other side. And so in it's fun the game does take a turn and gets to the to the land of ridiculous to bring everybody back together, um, but it was the same sort of concept: four superheroes, and you could do all these different combinations. And when you put certain teams together, they would have different bonuses um, to what they could do that would would impact. So, like if you put the Fantastic Four together, they would have special synergy bonuses that would help them. So, just a fun game. Uh, love that game. Still own both versions. Still play them. 
it's very much like Strike Force is a lot of the same stuff. Unlocking characters, certain teams have better synergy with other teams. Like lower ranked teams can be like super powered if they just synergize the right way. So, but yeah, those two games were really awesome. I remember those real well. 14, right. 14. Yep. Number 14 for me. The game we mentioned just a little earlier, but PC Tunny. And that would be NHL 94. Make somebody's head bleed. Uh, we're in playoffs. I'm going to make Wayne Gretzky's head bleed for super fan number 99 over here. <laughs> loved, loved, loved NHL 94. I know the NHL series, you know, was great. And I, I know I haven't played some of the ones recently and everything like that. But I, I was just that one for me is one I still literally will play to this day. I'll pop up in the emulator. I still have it for my Super Nintendo over there. Um, but just because it's just so much fun. I mean, that's it has everything <laughs> that I love about hockey. It's easy to play. You know, it's got a uh, kind of an up and down look. You kind of a little more top view. Um, but you know, it has all the all the teams. It has all the players. All the players. I love playing with Jeremy Roenick. I loved <laughs> playing as the Red Wings. Dude, he's Did actually. I was gonna say Jeremy Roenick well, is actually you like credited. The, it, that's the that's the Blackhawks. You like playing with Stevie Y. Yeah. I like playing well, yeah, I like playing with the Blackhawks too, but also the Red Wings with Shanahan. Yeah. Um yeah, Blackhawks with uh I think it was uh, Steve Smith is one of the defenders. Roenick was on there. I remember the difference between the Super Nintendo version and the Sega version, and unfortunately I had the Super Nintendo version where you couldn't make somebody's head bleed. Because they didn't allow the blood, but you could smash the glass if you hit the slap shot right. just right. You could break the glass, but unfortunately, no head bleeding for me, which was unfortunate. So I had By the to way, I'm, rely I'm on really rounders. Upset that, I'm really upset that you mentioned Brendan Shanahan. We don't talk about that as a St. Louis Blue fan. Oh, it's I'm not, sorry. Not, it's, not, it's just not cool, man. I remember the Caps, I'm big, caps were not that good on that game. No, I'm but that was fan. What's that? My, I'm a Blues fan. Pronger's my favorite all time. You like. You liked watching Marty McSorley in the slap shot contest, right? No. No. Wasn't that McSorley? Who was the guy with the slap shot? Al McKinnis. Al McKinnis. Al Afridi. McKinnis, too. My bad. Sorry. I don't know. I, I don't like know Jer- Jeremy Roenick has actually credited that game with his surge in his popularity. Like he says that because oh, totally. he was so good on that game that that made yeah. him more well known than he otherwise would have been. But that was and that was one of those games that you mentioned, you know, how you could uh, you had that certain cheat thing that you could do a certain way to always make sure you could score a goal. That one had that, too, where you, you basically had to start on one side of the rink uh, to the like the right or left of the goalie and just skate straight across him. And you could score a goal every single time if you wanted to. But nice. my my favorite about that game was just always picking like, yeah, the caps weren't that great in that game. I think Ottawa was pretty bad. I think Hartford was on there. They were terrible, but you'd always pick, I'd always pick the worst team and basically try and go through the playoffs and see if I could right. win the playoffs with the worst team. And it with was the, just with, with, with the offsides turned off and the, <laughs> and the two you allowed two I'd, line I'd passing. I would turn them on. Two line passing was off, but I'd turn the offsides on. It's two line passing. <laughs> what are you talking? Uh, it's about? almost worse. It's almost worse. <laughs> I took the Kings of the Cup. Yeah, with the offsides off <laughs> and no icing or something no. like that. Yeah. <laughs> is he clean? If he's clean, let him in. Tell him to take his shoes off, though. Oh, God. Shout so, out to Swingers. I, yeah, that's the thing. Is swingers made that game better. Party's dead anyway. Let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Tony, any, anything else? 
No, or that's all I had to contribute from NHL ninety four. Uh, DP hit everything else. Sound bite. DP DP hit it on the head. I, I I had it a little bit lower. It was right. fun. It's another. I, I keep saying it over and over again. Games that are fun and playable and replayable and get you to play over and over again. Those are going to be the, your favorite games, right? right? I mean, or a majority of them. So it, it was just. I, I can remember playing this game with so many different people. I go over to friends' houses. I was lucky enough to have the Sega, so it was it was a great game, great concept. Lucky well executed. All right, well then, why don't you lay your next one on us, then, man? Parents. My parents were divorced; they had to love me extra. All right, here we go. Uh, yeah. Number fourteen. <laughs> they don't listen to the podcast <laughs> anyway. NBA Jam, pick an edition. I'll, I'll I'll take tournament edition where you had the extended roster, but. It was such a fun game. I mean, you'd, you'd come out and the iguana would come on and to open the credits up and, you know, boom, shakalaka, you were off and running. Great game. I mean, three shots in a row, you're on fire. Dunk from half court with the right codes. Gentlemen, I know you all played some iteration of NBA Jam. Thank you, by the way, for confirming that my NCAA version existed. I, I did appreciate finding the box art there, Dan. College slam. Still haven't found the hockey game, though. Shut up! What was the what was the theme song? Was it College Slam? Da, 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 da. No, I I no. <laughs> it was not Onyx. Onyx did not sing that theme song. I don't think. Play College Slam. Da, da, da. All right. Well, that was NBA Jam. Da, da, da. So, <laughs> go ahead, Dave. That was a great game. Uh, my number fourteen is uh, Starcraft for the place, or not the PlayStation, the PC. Which uh, I know we've talked about games like Warcraft and World of Warcraft earlier, and Starcraft kind of took the Warcraft um, premise and added on to it. You know, gave you some pl- different playable races, uh, tech trees, things that you could develop, stuff there where you where you were just. I mean, and it kind of really brought real time strategy gaming into the forefront. Led to a lot of uh, I know like there's a lot of competitive Starcraft stuff that's out there. Starcraft 2 was pretty good as well, added on to some of that stuff. But I really remember the first Starcraft is just being like, wow, what is this thing? And all these different strategies where some people just said, fuck it, and just, you know, storm the battlefield right off the right off the bat. And other people would like turtle in there and just hunker down. And it took you forever to break down their defenses and that sort of thing. So I, I love the first Starcraft. So that's why it's this high on my list. DP, you look like you wanted to say something there. Is it a little? Is it a little more futuristic type of game than yes. than yeah, Warcraft like, was and all that? Warcraft, I, they put it in space. It's Warcraft and Command and Conquer in space. Yeah. Okay. okay. Exactly. Uh, my number thirteen. I'm guessing this is going to be on high, higher on somebody else's list, but I'll throw it out there anyway. It is a uh, Super Mario World for the Super Nintendo system. <laughs> I knew that was coming. All right, back to you, Tony. Number thirteen, Mortal Kombat. It's just a great game. Everybody's played it. They made a fucking movie out of it. I mean, to be Scorpion and and throw the harpoon out there and get over here or, you know, Sub-Zero and freeze your guy and finish him off like that and to get to the boss at the end and things of that nature. I mean, you've either played it in the arcade or you played it for the console. It's another game for me that I played on Sega. Probably, if I had to vote, probably my favorite console of all time. And this is just another reason why the game was so fun. And 
another game where it's characters. You can pick who you want to be. You have different strengths. There's different codes that do different moves. Everybody has a different thing they can do. There's different playabilities all over the map. And I know for sure every one of you has something to say about this game. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's the game that the whole fatality stuff that just really, I, I mean, I don't, I mean, like, it was only on the Sega Genesis where you had the fatalities, or did you have that on the other ones? No, well, so yeah. you had to have, like, a Game Genie or something to do fatalities with blood. Like, there was no blood, was no in, blood. The Super, in the Super Nintendo version, but, like, you could still, like, do fatalities, animalities, all those. Nintendo eventually relented, um, but you could also, with the right code, or I think with a Game Genie, you could have blood in your mortal Kombat super nintendo experience uh you just had to work for it i mean nintendo was working so hard to be like the family friendly brand and they are and they still are that um it was it, i remember it being a real controversy when that game was going to console uh for nintendo and and that they were going to have it but that that was the the compromise that they made with the angry moms over over this thing, even before, you know, even with a game rating system, it didn't seem to matter. I just, I could only beat anybody if I was Liu Kang that like, I couldn't, I sucked as anybody else. And so that was, that was my one thing is Liu Kang. And I would do, you know, his animality because his animality was way cooler when he turned into a dragon and bit somebody in half. That was the best. I remember I was more of the, I played Mortal Kombat. Oh no, you didn't have anything to say, Dave. All right. No, I, I defer to Dan on this one. Oh, look at look at that kicking the can back to him. Oh, yeah, uh, Baraka was kind of my favorite guy. I know I mentioned it on the arcade version, but you did like the he was weird, one of my like, favorite. Child. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <It's> like, <laughs> like keep away, keep away. Yeah, and yeah, I played that one. I still again, I still have Mortal Kombat two for my Super Nintendo uh, over there, and. That was, I think, the, my favorite of, of the entire collection. I remember that I was never great at fighting games either, uh, but it was just some fun sometimes just to get in there and just beat the crap out of some people. So I, I enjoyed that part. And yeah, getting up, trying to get through the levels and get up to Goro with the multiple arms. And then I can't remember the final boss's name. Shang Tsung. But Shang Tsung, yeah, okay. And yeah, it was fun. It was a great game. I loved Mortal Kombat. It was my favorite of the fighting genre. All right, back to you. And it's back to me. All right. All right, Big Dave, get ready. Number 13 for me is Uncharted 2. Finally, we're here. We are here. We have arrived. This one, uh, I guess I'll, I'll kick it off, and I know PC will have something to add, too, for sure, since he's, like, right in the middle of playing it, so it's perfect, because it's been a while for me. Yep. But I loved, love the Uncharted series. God, the, the story is just so great, uh, going through the whole thing. And this one, just I think, just topped it off you know, for me, because it added some extra elements that the first one got into. He added a few more characters. You got a little deeper into, you know, Sully and Nathan's story of how they actually got together and, and, you know, <laughs> got on this journey and they just, they added so many extra elements to this one, you know, the gunfighting, everything, it's generally the same throughout the series, but just the, everything extra that they added on to Uncharted 2 was just awesome. Yeah, the cinematics were better. The uh, level design was better. They took a lot of the stuff that the first one did okay, and they made it great. And that was the best thing about it is they just fleshed out a, 
they just refine so many different things. Like like Tony's saying that that first scene with the train is nuts. <laughs> so, go ahead, PC. You're that playing through first, it right. That was my first introduction right there, and I started the game, and I'm like, okay, here we go, and I'm like, all right, okay, what? What the? F- all right, here. I- okay, whoa! And then like five times, a car comes down off the side of this cliff and you're trying to jump around and it's basically you're it, it's a human maze is what it is and you have to figure out where to what platform to get up on next and the, and you're just i'm just starting to figure out how to navigate in the game and move the character around and what buttons are what but i thought it was it, it had to have been player friendly i know i switched the difficulty to easy before i started because i don't like to be fr- frustrated during those games i just like to play them right so if you're into, you know, pissing yourself off, put the difficulty up higher, whatever you got to fucking do. OK, but leave me the fuck alone on that. And I made it through. I did not die. I made it through that first chapter without dying. And I was I was pretty happy with myself and addicted to the game. There forward, I did die a few times trying to stop multiple security guards in the next level. But we move on and, and we're growing from there. All right. Excellent. So. I, again, I'm making an assumption. Maybe it's not. I'm not sure. But my my number thirteen. I think you're going is, out of order. Am I going out of order? Can DP just go? Oh, you're right. Oh, so there's my fuck yeah. up there. There's two. <laughs> anyway, so you didn't even need. We help. all need. We need chalkboards like Woody Page behind us, so we can just <laughs> cross it off. Yeah. Did everybody do their number thirteen? All right. I'm doing my number 13. It is the original Final Fantasy for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Okay. So, this game, it's it's the granddaddy of of RPGs, uh, of turn-based RPGs when it comes out. Like, people can talk about their Dragon Warrior, and Dragon Warrior came first. But Final Fantasy, uh, as a kid who, like we've talked about more than once on the show, played D&D, um, to have a game where you put together a party of four characters, you got to choose a character class for them, and you got to take them through this adventure. Very, you know, simple story that was basically, you know, just trying to keep the elements of the world in order to stop chaos from reigning supreme. This game wa- was it. It was everything I could have ever wanted out of a game. And, you know, different characters with different skills uh, and abilities and you needed the different types led to a replayability that I hadn't really seen in other games. When you beat dragon warrior, for example, and you go through dragon Warrior, you kind of do all you can do with that one character type, but challenging yourself to play through the game a second or third time um, with some of those characters that aren't quite as impressive, like red mages or thieves, which were character classes that kind of had a little bit of, everything but not really good at one thing and so the game was actually harder to play as those because you couldn't max them out and so to play through and to learn how to to win the game with those types of characters was half the fun for me and i i i have replayed it time and time and time and time again i played it over and over and over on my nintendo uh my original nintendo entertainment system i've played it on the little nintendo entertainment system port that we have sitting up there i have uh, it got released for the PSP. I played through and beat it more than once on the PSP. Loved that game. 
like all the other Final Fantasy games that are on my list, even if Dave thinks I got Final Fantasy VII too low. Um, you do. But the replayability was just was was just so there for me in a way. And it was just very influential as a kid, like I said, playing Dungeons and Dragons, where you got to you got to make characters and you got to play them through this world. And I loved it. I had a lot of fun. It's a cool game. I mean, it started it all. It did. So my next uh my next, my number twelve is a uh is a PlayStation. I, I it is a PC and PlayStation 4 game. That is another RPG. It's an old school turn-based RPG called Divinity Original Sin. And I, I have, um, I've got a story to tell today about the time I was playing through Divis- Divinity Original Sin and yesterday accidentally deleted all my safe progress in the middle of a boss fight <laughs> Jesus. and lost everything ah. that I had been working at. So... I've played this game all the way through a couple of times, and this is another game. And we talk about this with like replayability. There are, it's all about building your own customizable characters. You get these two characters. They're called Source Hunters, and they are sent to a uh, a city called Sicil to investigate a murder. And while investigating this murder, murder, they get caught up in a greater bit of fate intertwined as you learn that your two characters are actually the ancient ancestors of source hunters who accidentally let chaos reign supreme in the world before and previously. And that chaos is coming back to destroy all of, um, I can't remember the name of the, the, uh, the whole world and what it's called. Uh, but you get, you get to start this game. You have these two base characters. There's base classes that you can work from, but everything within the game is customizable from the skills and talents that you learn to your abilities, to your strengths, your weaknesses, your responses in game to different character scenarios. In fact, your traits and depending on how those traits skew actually impacts some of your abilities. So for example, there's a, you can do a lot of like crafting and building your own weapons and armor. And if your character has a trait known as pragmatism, they actually become better at crafting things. And so it's just this, it's this great game. And it's a game that I loved because it uses its environments a lot. Like you are rewarded for setting things on fire in a battle to kind of defeat things or recognizing the way different combinations work. So like you have water magic and you can, throw a puddle of water on the ground and freeze it and cause your enemy to slip and trip and fall and make them prone so you can hit them. And so it's just really, really in depth. Or you can set that pool and hit it with a bolt of electricity and make an electric like cloud pop up. Like it's so great. I love it. Uh, I'm going to restart it today. Uh, I fortunately was only 12 hours into the game before I ate it. So I really wasn't that deep into it. Only 12 hours. (laughs) Well, then... But you know how it is, and it's one of those short games, work. Short work. Well, we talked about this before. It's one of those games that does have a great deal of like side quests and like follow up work and things you need to do to kind of um, stay on top of it. Um, it does require a, a strategy guide to get your one hundred percent, but I don't care. Uh, I just love playing the game, and I love all those little intricacies. And so that um, that's my number twelve. I bet it only takes you 11 and a half hours to get back to where you were. It won't, yeah. t- it won't take, it'll take me longer to create my characters. Cause I'll do something different than it will to get to where I left off. I guarantee you. 
Guarantee you. And every WWE game I've ever had. Right. Yeah. Uh, number 12 for me, I cheated a little bit. I went with the orange box. This was a combination. <laughs> well, hold that thought. Does we, that we, count? We, we can, because I know what's in the orange we'll box that. and I got something yep. coming up. So, so do and so do I too. So it was, yeah, it was tough because I wanted to put Half Life in here as well. So, as well as a different game. So we'll 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 discuss that one later. All right. I feel like we're probably not going to talk about my number twelve right now. It is a Zelda game. That's all you really got to say. Uh, something, something. Oh, oh, face of time. Whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's high. Yep. There you go. All right, Dave. So my number twelve. Um, interestingly enough, the cousin of uh, Super Mario Kart, same general concept, but in a fighting game, and it's Super Smash Brothers Melee for the GameCube. And so this one is is uh, I mean they've done other Smash Brothers games, but you take the Nintendo catalog of characters, you put them in a fighting game, you give them all different sort of powers, they can all do different things, and instead of just trying to beat people, you, you're trying to take their stocks away, which is basically knocking them off platforms. The game is done so well, and there's some characters who are just better than others, and, and they're like, and it's usually like the like the really lesser known characters, like Marth on super smash brothers melee was really good i used to love using link but he sucked you know that sort of thing he was not very good at the game but i mean just the 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 depth of the game that you wouldn't think would exist in a nintendo based fighting game it's underrated and it's undersold and the game is simply fantastic it's played competitively around the world I know when like I first started doing stuff with Major League Gaming, they had competitive tournaments. I played like the number one player in the world. He beat the hell out of me. It was fucking brutal, but it was fun. And and I mean, it, it just it just the stuff that they do at the game with so many different characters who all do so many different things, and their fighting styles are so very different. Some people match up better against like like a wrestling game or or boxing or anything like that. Um, I've never played a fighting game. It is actually. Out of all the fighting game series out there, are the Tekkens, the Street Fighters, the Mortal Kombat's Super Smash Brothers is my favorite fighting game of fighting series of all of them. So it's it's really ranked high on here for me. You guys, it's one I've never played, but I, I've always I keep hearing great things and have never kind of bit the bullet and bought it or oh, anything. But yeah, I've heard really good things that that it's not just you know straight. 2d one level uh-huh. like a mortal Kombat or street fighter it's you got platforms and different things and you're basically trying to knock the guys off the side and right they can you know you can fly back basically fly back up and get back into the action and yeah or some grapple hook will latch crazy. onto the side of a platform and you can go back up there and do all sorts of crazy shit and, and i see uh patrick's restocking on his scotch good man <laughs> yeah good luck good luck restarting that video game later yeah <laughs> but yeah super smash brothers melee for me Number 12, number 11, let's go right back to the orange box and talk about, unless you were going to defer that, because I got Half-Life 2 at number 11. Nope, let's do Half-Life. You want to talk about Half-Life, Half-Life and Half-Life 2? So Half-Life 2 was part let's of the orange it. box, wasn't it? Half-Life 2 was part of the orange box. Half-Life wasn't. Right. Just 2 was part of the orange box. But So, yeah. I mean, Half-Life 2, I mean, the original Half-Life was uh, was tremendous in its own right, in a great game. And then they just took like, like, you know, it's funny with video games, unlike movies, most of the time movie sequels aren't nearly as good as the original video games are kind of the opposite 
that where a lot of the times the sequels are far superior to the originals. And this is another one of those cases, the continuing stories of Gordon Freeman running through city 17. Um, they just amplified everything that was so great about the first one, gave them new weapons. The level design was really smart, really. It's just, and I'll, I'll kick it over to you, Dan. You've probably played it more recently than I have, but the gravity gun, which of course led to portal and portal two and all that kind of shit. Uh, just, the, the 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 variety of the creatures you know all these things trying to suck your brains out and that sort of stuff it's just uh the crabs weren't the, this is the one with the, the goddamn cra- head crabs the head fucking the crabs man crabs. talking about crabs Jesus. these the, are the worst goddamn worst characters head crabs but uh yeah i mean half-life 2 to me is just going around trying to keep gordon alive conquering all this stuff figuring out levels how's the best approach to this stuff it's um it's just a fantastic game yeah, the whole story from from start to finish of we we'll start with Half Life and Gordon Freeman and and figuring out you know how it gets to the end and coming back in with two and then you got you know uh, Alex Vance I know I talked about the Half Life Alex and the VR earlier you know that was kind of the in between there and told her story and how the Vance family kind of was involved with Eli and her dad and things and yeah just the the advancement of the different weapons the the enemies were just you know, just on a different, just a completely different than other kind of first persons and dealing with those goddamn head crabs are the worst goddamn thing God that I couldn't stand. Head crabs. <laughs> That's the title of this episode, Patrick. Goddamn head crabs. Don't <laughs> well, you just put like a cream on them or something? <sighs> You'd think that would help, but I mean, they just keep, they just don't stop. They don't stop. But yeah, I love that story. I loved it. The, the advancement of the guns they're out there i mean valve and the whole half-life thing was so innovative with the different guns and like you said it led to portal which we'll talk about a little later and it's just they were so different and it was just it added some just crazy elements to things that you just never saw in, in first person shooters fantastic series great game it is back to peace number 11 uh pga tour golf for the sega genesis my last sega genesis game Phenomenal fucking game. You know, press the button to start the power meter. Press the button again where you want it on the power meter. Bring it back down, and hopefully you hit it accurate. And if you did your job, you could definitely birdie every single hole and throw an eagle in here or there. The great thing was you could actually be on tour, and it kept your stats and everything else, and it had other pro golfers in there, and they had the real courses. So I love that game. I, I wish I still had all my Sega stuff to play that. I would still play that game if I had it. It was just it was just so fun. It was just so much fun and, and it gave you the courses and the real players. Well, maybe uh, if you're willing to play a Super Nintendo version of it, I still have my yeah, PGA really. tour for the Super Nintendo. Um, that's fine. I'll just remember the know, good times. Suck it, Sega. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah, it was one of my favorites. One of my the you know, the few golf games that were really enjoyable at the time there. And then that one was great because you could play the tour and play the, you know, the different against different real, you know, golfers. And yeah, it was just, it was that with part of it was so entertaining and so different other than just, you know, playing around a golf, you actually, you know, kept your stats and kept track of where you ranked against the professionals in your, in the tours. And if you played the whole tournament, you would get, a different distance from the tee box each time. So you'd have a different tee box and you'd have a different flag position. So it wasn't like you played the same course four each, times. Each four days. 
Right. You you got yeah. a different look each time. So back that's when, my number eleven. Back when EA was clever. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number eleven for me. Let's go back to the superheroes, Big Dave, and let's talk Batman Arkham City. Let's do it. About it. Uh, you know, as far as superhero games go, you know, we mentioned like you mentioned, Dave. They were they were shitty for a while. There was a good handful of really bad ones, but then Batman came along and changed the game style, changed the fighting, changed the way stories were told. Again, it kind of got a little more gritty type of type of look to things, but had added all these elements of different puzzles and you know, rather than just the fighting, you could go around and there was little side quests and things where you could help some people that were on the ground and getting beat up by you know, some of the bad guys and you just go take care of them and, you know, get these little special quests or all the Riddler puzzles that you go through and everything. And then just, just the main story alone, you know, I know the last one went, you know, added some extra elements because of what happened with the Joker in this one, but the whole, the Batman, the Joker story is just timeless and is fucking fantastic. And one of my favorites. And this one, I just love the way they told the story and they had the Joker basically getting sick. And then, you know, at the end of this one, he basically, you know, dies fighting with Batman. And, you, you know, the ending of him getting carried out of, of the, you know, out to the streets or whatever. It just was God, just one of those great moments in gaming that you just enjoyed to watch. Yeah, the this one came around about the same time, which made this so good was this was kind of like riding parallel to Christopher Nolan's saga. So they were kind of both developing at the same time, and it brought Batman back to his roots, the grittier, the Dark Knight version. Arkham Asylum, the first game, was really great, and like the first superhero game that I can remember playing, uh, other than like, like Patrick saying Marvel, Ultimate Alliance was excellent, but they're very hugely different games comparing Ultimate Alliance to Arkham City or Arkham Asylum. Um, but yeah, I mean, what I like about Arkham City is it, it felt more like the the detective aspect of Batman was focused on a little bit more in Arkham City, which is more true to his roots. But yeah, the story's fantastic. The levels are all great. Uh, all the little gadgets. I mean, that's the, the the essence of Batman is the utility belt and all the gadgets, and they captured that in in, in a in a pretty good way. So Dan's looking at me funny. So either that or he froze. <laughs> uh i think you might have had some connectivity issues there yeah yeah oh did i cut out there a little bit it was was like a weird it was like a weird combination of like cutting out in slow motion yeah what i I was saying was david unger yeah what i was saying was i I wanted a big mac and a large shake with a large fry not a filet of fish and a diet soda that's right. No, I didn't want that. But it, I, I mean, I was just saying how I, I like how Arkham City captured a lot of Batman's gadgetry. Um, and so you could do a lot more stuff with that sort of thing. So they're both Arkham Asylum and Arkham City. Great games, great stories. Uh, by far and away, in my opinion, the best superhero games ever made still. So when I bought my PlayStation 4, it was the greatest Amazon deal I've ever gotten in my entire life. Um, during Amazon Prime days, they had a special where I could get a PlayStation 4, a year-long subscription to the PlayStation Gold Plus um, package, Batman Arkham City, and The Witcher 3 for $300. 
The Witcher. I missed The Witcher. I, uh, Anybody else miss The Witcher? I do. Yes. Good show. Toss a coin. Toss a coin, Tony. So, so, so here's the worst part. I've had those two games since I bought oh, a PlayStation a salad, 4. Babe. I've never played either game. What? With you, what is, what is wrong with you, Patrick? Yeah, Patrick. I uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't know. Something, <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, I think I even put them both in and did the downloads, you know, like, I because now you can't buy a video game without going through like six hours of down, did the downloads, did all that setup, and then just never started playing. It's because it's DC, so, right. It's this DC no, no, honest, bias that you have. I, I haven't played. I haven't. I haven't played The Witcher either. Haven't haven't touched either game. And uh, and I've heard they're both terrific games. Um, you know, if you invest yet, twelve hours in Arkham City, you can be done. Maybe. True. I've also never played the other two games because Arkham Asylum, and then what's the third one? Arkham Knight was the third one. Right. Arkham Asylum, the first city, the second. Knight was the third. Right. So similar to the Christopher Nolan thing, the second one was the best. All right. Well, at least I own that. So I do believe this brings me to me and my number 11, um, which is uh, for me, it was a PlayStation one game. As Tony talked about this earlier, we were talking about sports games. This is my uh, baseball game. It was EA sports MVP baseball, 2005. Um, The year after the Cardinals lost the world series in 2006, two years later, they would then win the world series. Um, but that in between year, uh, had many Ramirez on the cover and was one of the most primitive franchise modes I've ever played in my entire life. Like it was franchise in the infancy of like building. You could build your, you could build the team. Like you could have, for example, for you, Wisconsinites, you could, you could choose to be the brewers with like their rosters, but like you could choose not to use at the time County stadium and you could choose to like build your own stadium. And so as like people came to games, you would get revenue and be able to build improvements to your stadium and it would impact your roster and your pay and all this stuff. Um, and you could add, do all these contracts. It was a very convoluted, very complicated game that it like, it just didn't make any damn sense. And yet I played through it cause it's like, Oh, dynasty modes. But it had triple A, A ball, double A, did not have low A and high A. Sorry, it wasn't that uh, wasn't that detailed. Uh, had real players and, and contracts for the most part up to a certain point. Uh, the low A, most of the low A guys were like made up characters that he just gave attributes to. Um, and you can play through. And that was just that was my baseball game. Uh, and was and I, I mean, I have a version of MLB The Show and it's fun enough, but. I, I love MVP Baseball 2005 for the PlayStation 1. During Everybody. this very episode, I've been watching on ESPN Major League Baseball players actually play MLB The Show. That's what we're watching on TV these days, folks. That's right. That's where the world is going to. That's what we're watching on TV. So not as not as nice of a franchise mode as would later come along, uh, but it was really interesting to see it as something in its infancy. Um, but you could like see players get upset with their contract and like where, where they were and how they were playing. Like that was always trying to keep players happy was, was weird. So some guy comes on and says, fuck you, Joe boo. I do it myself. <laughs> Basically. But that brings us to our top 10 fellas. Turn in the corner, Patrick leading us there. Home stretch, baby. So Woo-hoo. 
My number 10 is uh, actually a pair of games for the Sega Genesis uh, RPGs called Shining Force, Shining Force 1 and 2. And these these games are, uh, you're going to hear this theme a lot when we talk about the rest of my um, RPGs in this, in, in this list. Replayability is something that was always big for me. And Shining Force was this game. You started out as this character you name yourself who has to go forth and gather the shining force to take on the forces of evil. And it was this turn-based RPG where you could have up to 12 characters in your party or something like that, some obscene number. And yet there were something like 20 characters in the game that you would recruit. Uh, and they would all have different abilities and skills and things that they could do just like all of these other RPGs. Uh, but it was a very fun map based game where you could just uh, you would play through and it was really unforgiving in that it was unique in that you didn't wander around a big overworld map to run into random encounters. Every fight, every battle was set and every battle was like a gateway and you had to be able to successfully complete it. Um, but the way you leveled up in the game was you had to recognize that your characters needed to level up and your main character had a spell called egress that was a was an escape from battle mode that put you back to a safe place to where you could refight the fight with the same monsters to get the experience points you need to move forward. So it was a very different take. It was very strategy based. You had to be you had to know how the computer was going to react and respond to you, while at the same time um, being able to be aggressive enough to go out there and, and complete the quests. And it was it was fun. It was my favorite RPGs to play out of the Sega Genesis. That's my number ten. Uh -huh. Number 10 for me is Super Mario World for the Super Nintendo. Higher PCs on Tunnies. Got her higher. All right. I remember the cartoon. <laughs> Super Mario Brothers? Super Mario nice. World. There, oh, was a Super, uh, there was a Super Mario World right. cartoon. I remember the Super Mario Brothers show where it had Zelda, car Zelda cartoons on it. Nope, oh, it was after that. Huh. Tunny. What? You too. Your turn. <laughs> You're number 10, buddy. Okay. My number 10 is NBA 2K series. DP, I know you had that on your list as well. It's it's another one of those things where you can dive into making your own character and, and fulfill your own NBA destiny, right? Like you can pick your build. You can pick what kind of player you want to be. You end up going through the combine and everything else. So Playability is great. You can go online. You can actually go online and work out to make your player better. You can go online to get tattoos on your player. You can go online to get a scooter to drive around online. Like, there's so many things. You can play Frisbee golf online on NBA 2K20, right? You can, but the best thing is when you go online and go into the neighborhood, there's a bunch of courts, like outdoor courts. And you can go in and check in, and you can play three-on-three -three against other people that also play NBA 2K20. So it's just a great game. I really love it. The playability is great. The community about it is great. And everything is so unbelievably authentic. DP, I know you've played this series plenty. I, I loved it a few years ago. I, I, I can't remember which exact one it was, but when they've really started getting where you could create the character and you'd go through the season you had to play a game you get drafted and then you would you know i was so excited because i actually got drafted by the bucks and then got to play you know through a season and you as you go through practices and 
you build your character eventually start getting more and you can add into your attributes and everything and the ability where you can actually you know you run it off as a play and you can call for the ball and the players you know they'll pass it to you more often as you get better they pass it you know they rely on you more and you can do that kind of thing which is really cool and really different um i remember i think one of my favorites was 2006 pc with the dunk contest where you could go through and you could create you select a certain type of dunk and each little each button did different things so you'd run up to the you know to the hoop and you could press a certain button combination and do your different dunks and try and win the dunk contest and i know they still have it you know in there now if you get you know called to the all-star game it can be in the three-point contest and things like that but I remember that one specifically because it was a little different, but I loved, loved the NBA series uh, from 2K from back when they started in 2001, I think was their first one. They may have failed us with the WWE game this year, but they, their bread and butter is the, the NBA series, and it's, it's fantastic. If you're an NBA fan and you want to play an NBA game and you want to pick it up, it's easy to play. It's easy to play, and it's fun. And the Wizards can actually be good on this game. No, that's the one thing that can't happen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess on that note, I'll move to my number 10. Which Number 10? <laughs> my, number, my number 10 is a game that I'm actually really shocked that this is not on Patrick's list, being the Final Fantasy fan that he is, because it is a merging of Final Fantasy and Disney, and it is Kingdom Hearts. No reaction. Fine. Now, this this was a, a merging of uh, of Disney and Final Fantasy characters and just this epic storyline. Oh, Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, Kingdom Hearts. What did I say? I didn't say something wrong, did I? You, you broke up a little bit. You keep going. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, bad connections. Well, it sounds good on my end, so that's all that counts. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, they they took they took these two franchises, which you wouldn't think that they would work out re- well, but they really brought right. it together brilliantly, and you you've got a, a big healthy amount of the disney catalog you've got final fantasy characters maybe not like the major mega final fantasy characters but they're going through this adventure they're trying to find the keyblade they're trying to put all this stuff back together and man all all i can remember about that game because it's been a while since i played it was the boss battle against ursula which took like a fucking day to actually beat her ass and going through different okay i'm gonna try this nope that didn't work i'm gonna try this no that didn't work I'll get let my kids try it. They're better video game players than me. Nope, they can't do it either. Uh, it's just it's just an engrossing game. It's kind of the opposite of what we talked about, where we were saying how like sequels were a lot of times better than the originals. That did not happen so much with Kingdom Hearts. The first game is fantastic. It, it, it's just it's got it just got everything. It's got all the role playing elements you want. Great characters, engrossing story, puzzles to solve, boss mega bosses who are just a pain in the ass to defeat. Uh, I actually, I just love Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, I, I, I never played Kingdom Hearts. Like, and and I'm comfortable saying that. Like that, there's, there's a reason it's not on my list. I know a lot of people love it. I know it has a huge following. If you look at any con, there's inevitably people dressed up as Kingdom Hearts characters, complete with keyblades. So I get that it's that it's got a huge following. Square definitely hit it right with with that series. But uh, yeah, just not something that ever really crossed my interest uh to play so sorry when you have an extra 40 hours just go and do it 
you know? No, no, no I got to go make up the 12 hours I just lost to then move forward in the gaming game that I was working on. That's right. Your life will Keep not up, be complete man. without it. I got it. I got you. I'm with you. Damn Skippy. <laughs> Number nine on my list is, in my opinion, the greatest survival horror game of all time. And that is Resident, e- Resident Evil 4 for the GameCube. I don't know, you know if there's any Resident Evil fans here. All the games were pretty good. But they all had issues with them, stuff before Resident Evil 4. They all had, uh, the control system was off. I can't aim this gun worth of shit. Ammunition's running out. Uh, go ahead, Tony. It, it isn't that to your point of where movies maybe regress, video games progress yes. in finding their flaws and capitalizing on them and introducing more innovative storylines. Right. And Resident Evil 4 captured all that. It fixed it fixed like they added laser sighting to the to the shooting mechanic, which made it easier to aim things. Uh, you know, the previous games were all about the dogs jumping through the windows and scaring people. And this story was just scarier and, and it, it was more engrossing. Like the game starts off like I, if I remember this one right I don't know if you guys played it, but like the very first level has this boss that you're fighting right out of the gate. You're like, what the fuck is going on? How am I supposed to deal with this thing right off the bat? Uh, They had really good voice acting, which I know the previous uh, iterations of this series didn't really have the voice acting nailed like this, but they just did everything so perfectly. And it was one of those games that actually it came out on all the consoles, but I thought it played better on the GameCube and uh, just the control scheme seemed to work better on it. But it's, in my opinion, just the 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 pinnacle of survival horror games. Still have never played anything better than Resident Evil 4 as far as survival horror goes. Number nine on my list, guys. Well, you speak of uh, Grant. We talked about granddaddy of like RPGs. You know, Resident Evil as a series is the granddaddy of survival horror. I still remember playing Resident Evil 1. I remember those dogs jumping out of the window or jumping through the window and not expecting him the first time. Because like that's the thing is the first time yeah. you're just like Jesus Christ, um, and then you get used to it. But uh, yeah, they it was very good. Very they were always it's funny. We, you know, with Morgan last week, very good with sound and just like in, at least in the remember in the original Resident Evil, just fucking silence as the, you walk those horror, through those horror games. They rely on that right. you know quality that, sound that and, and ag- ag- exact. You know, uh, things connecting all at once. Uh, Silent Hill comes to mind in mm-hmm. games like that as well. DP and I played kind of that iteration. There's a game called Fear. I don't know if you guys ever played that, which is like... Uh, Very apropos. Yeah, I mean, you're like in the sewer with somebody who's resembles uh, the chick from The Ring. And I played you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> not that sewer. <laughs> oh, okay. But right. yeah, there's scenes where this thing is coming at you and your light you have goes out and you don't know what the hell's going on and then she's like right in your face. So when survival horror is done well, it's done really well. But let's be honest, there's a lot of games that have not done it very well. Resident Evil 4 did not have that problem. Fantastically done. All right, my number nine. My number nine is the FIFA series. And I thoroughly enjoy playing online against my friends. Uh, Mike Mann original member of DWI and DP. We had our own little league that we would play and things of that nature, but just great playability. You can find everybody and their mother that is a professional soccer player uh, on TV right now as they're showing all these professionals playing soccer or or video games, I should say. And uh, it's just great. It, It has the whole scope of everything, right? 
every single league, every single country, like you can come up from the bottom all the way up to the top. You can play in America, you can play England, you can play Germany, you can play France, you can play all over the country. You can play every single cup you want. They put the World Cup in there with it. And the gameplay in and of itself, determining what kind of style of gameplay you want to have on the field, like formation-wise, you want to be more attacking, who you want to bring up, you want to have more of a speed team, etc. EP, I know you and I have went back and forth many a time, online version of this game. And it's just another one of those that are fun to play and talk shit to your friends, too. Oh, yeah, I had it lower on my list. It was 24th on my list. I know we were we were holding off to talk about it, but just absolutely love, love playing this one, like you mentioned. The being able to manage your team in a ser- in a season was just fantastic. You go scout players, you can do, you know, you manage your contracts and everything, and you can transfer window. The the transfer window of the 30 days at the beginning of the season where you'd try and trade guys or buy guys or whatever. And I remember, you know, you just Basically, would whoever I played with for the most part would wipe out my entire team and try and you know restructure my entire team to whoever I wanted to play as. This game made me more of a fan and got me tuning in Sunday mornings to watch the Premier League in in England. So there's not many video games that can get you to say, "Hey, I ended up watching this on TV." The real thing. I can I can just tell you that from my perspective. Many a fight in dorms started over FIFA games gone wrong uh, back in my days when I used to work as a as a residence hall director. Uh, boy, howdy. That's, that's some intense shit. Much like the fans of actual football games. Oh, yes. Soccer fans? <laughs> Passionate? No. What? no. Most calm yeah. fans in the world. <laughs> TP to you. Uh, all right. For me, number nine. The last of my Mario Brothers collection, and that's Super Mario Brothers Two for the NES. Oh, God, so no way! Oh, that was the why best. That, why, best. Why are we talking about this after three? Because we like talk, we holes? Is, oh, oh, you like digging holes, hey? I like digging holes. I like playing. I like playing as different characters rather than just Mario. You I like that there was. Man. Yeah, yeah. You throw turnips. You get potions. You get uh, different boss fights. You get to fight Birdo. Over and over and over again. Different. You get different enemies all over the place. It was. It was just. It was a completely different take on Mario. It was so different than the original. Because it, it wasn't originally a Mario game. Like that's the thing that's really interesting about that history is that the Nintendo had this. I can't remember what the original name of the game was. Lying around, and they wanted to market it to the American population. They're like, well, what can we do to make this marketable? The United States? I got it. We'll put the Mario characters in instead. And that's why you didn't like no other series has like the shy guys, those little ninja dudes. Oh yeah. You know, like all like it's the, the only thing is different. <laughs> that lizard King dragon thing. Like at the end, not Bowser. Worked. Yeah. yeah. Like I, uh, and then, I, did, I will say Tony's got the white claws. They're back. I will say that uh, I will say that being towed and pulling up the turnips faster than anybody else, which was really about the only thing that he could do is like lift and throw things farther and, and better than anyway. Like that was it. Well, um, Princess Peach being the levitation that she, she could, could do. Float. Yeah, that was, was kind was of unfair because you could do. Yeah, you could save yourself so easily playing as Princess Peach. It was great. Luigi so you with his little like, leg motion. 
You think yeah. Super Mario Brothers 2 is the best Super Mario Brothers then? I do. I do. That's, that's insane. I play it's, that it's one his, so many list. times. So many times. It is his list. I wish I would have known that it's 25 bad years. list. Because <laughs> <it's> uh, <laughs> his list is now invalid, but you know. <laughs> We're going to move on to my number nine because of that I don't even know who I am anymore. Oh. My, my number nine is a series. It's the, the Lego video game series. Oh, <laughs> Dan just blacked us out. That's it. Thank God we're finishing our uh, top 50 today, so I don't have to be back next week. Oh, <laughs> wow. Anyway. So, no, you can stay. So my number nine, my number nine is a series of games. It's the Lego uh, video game series, and the the basically it's not Lego. It's like there's a Lego City game, but Lego basically has turned all of these pop culture franchises into video games using the characters from these video game or from these different pop culture series as characters. So there's a Lego DC universe game. There's a Lego Marvel universe game. There's Lego Harry Potter, Lego star Wars, um, Indiana Jones, Lego, Indiana Jones, Jurassic park, like all of these franchises that have just been made into Lego. And this game or this series ends up on my list purely because of the time I get to play with my kid and play video games with my kid. Because these games are very kid friendly. You die and you just pop, you just respawn and you play through a level. Now you get achievements if you play through a level in a certain way, but it has a two player mode and I can spend time with a little O'Dowd for hours just playing Lego video games. He's into Legos in general uh, as, as an eight year old, as many eight year olds are. So this game uh, is just something that has turned into they're fun, um, but they're ours. And it's one of those things that we do together that we have a great time doing and that I get to share. Like as he starts to be more interested in other video games, I, I don't know how long that gets to last, but right now he's all for playing Lego video, like Lego Marvel. Right now we're playing the Lego Marvel Avengers games that are based on the Marvel movies. Like that's complete with dialogue recorded in from those movies uh with those characters so was a perfect day watching lego masters and then playing the video game or was it the video game first and then watching lego masters because that's a perfect combination maybe throwing some popcorn soda and pizza i mean I'm i mean there. lego lego Masters shows up of or starts of an evening so we would play lego throughout the day the lego games throughout the day and then segue into lego masters uh so i think that's probably the more sensical response to that deal so that's my number nine my number eight i know has been mentioned in previous lists again this is another series because i couldn't pick just one um and that's the assassin's creed series uh when it comes to style of gameplay and this is why i do want to play uncharted uh and i do intend to play the uncharted series i'm i love stealth games i love being a playing games where the idea is to not be seen and that you're rewarded for not being seen and kind of being one of those like hide in the shadows kind of characters. And the next two games on my list epitomize that. Uh, you talk about sequels being better than the originals. Assassin's Creed 2 is far and away my favorite version of the series. 
There's been other ones that are successful. Assassin's Creed 3, which is the one I think that takes place during the American Revolution, or one of them takes place during the American Revolution. Don't play that one. That one's garbage. It's terrible. It's one of the glitchiest, buggiest games that you can play out there. Uh, yes, hot trash. But love the idea. Love that you're this descendant of this group of assassins that is like going through memories in your DNA to first, you know, reenact or, you know, go through the time of the Templars and the Crusades into the Renaissance for uh, Assassin's Creed 2. It's it's so great. I love it. Um, and, you know, future, you know, future versions, some of them gotten a little more complicated than, than I would even be prepared for as you start to to get into like Assassin's Creed Brotherhoods where you start to have like teams of assassins and you recruit folks who can join you and be a part of it. And you can send them off on a like side quest that gets a little convoluted and, and lengthy, but on the whole, that game, you know, holds up. It's one of those that I can pull out and play anytime I want. And I, and I love it to death. I think I had Assassin's Creed two at number 34 on my list. But I, I agree with you. It's the best of the series, but it it's so clever. Like, like the whole concept of just being able to be implanted in, in uh, your ancestors memories and experience what right. they experienced and try to, you know, to some extent, rewrite history, that sort of thing. But, yeah, there's stealth. It, it puts an emphasis on stealth. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I love the games. They're fantastic. Cool. Very good. Tony, you're number eight. eight. Is oh, it no. me or DP? DP. There's eight. two. There's two. Two. <laughs> number eight Dude for me. Scotch, scotch, scotch. Down into my belly. <laughs> The Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, PC Tunny. There it, you go. It's higher it on is. mine. It's higher oh, on mine, Dan. Oh, higher. Oh, all right. Very good. All right, number eight for me. And it's kind of the series in general, considering I, I really minimal actual playing time myself, but tons of like watching time with DP and Satchel McFlippins. And this may be up higher, but it's the Grand Theft Auto series. Well, let's talk about it because I've, is it higher uh, on yours? Yeah, I, I kind of figured, so figured we'd get there. Because I've got yeah. Grand Theft Auto 4 as my number eight. Oh, <laughs> there you go. I've got a five, but it's higher. All right. Well, then, then what's your number seven, Dave? Yeah, we'll talk Grand Theft Auto when we come back. Uh, my number seven. We both had it at number eight, though. That's amazing. That is That's pretty funny. cool. That's the first. Which one did That's you have? First. Just the series or, or? I had the series in general just okay. because I hadn't really played the later iterations. Uh, my number seven is the last Super Mario game on my list, and it's not Super Mario Ooh. 2. It's uh, Super Mario Brothers 3 for the NES. Yes. Right. Yes. My highest I, list is Super Mario Brothers. I, I had it at 28. I had Super Mario Brothers 3, I think, way back in the bottom four, like the first 10 <laughs> for me. because it's Me too. It's the, but it was the only Mario game on my list. Give me that feather, baby. That's right. Give me the Tanuki suit. You know that all that shit going on. Uh, you know they just they just did a lot of stuff like Super Mario Brothers World had done and and, and made it a little bit better. I, I mean, in my opinion, I know a lot of people will disagree and say Super Mario Brothers World is still the gold standard. But you know, I mean, you guys you guys have played it as much as I have. We were just it's just. <laughs> I mean it's it's another Mario adventure. It's not quite, it opens things up a little bit more. You don't have to follow the same path. I think there are at least a little bit, some branching sort of stuff you can do on the game that makes it a little bit different. But yeah, the give me the feather. Let me fly. Give me the Tanuki suit. 
fantastic game. What, what do you? Not that stupid frog suit, though. No. <laughs> frog. What do you got? I mean, your guys' thoughts on this? To me, they went away from what they tried to change from Super Mario Brothers to Super Mario Brothers Two, and went back to let's make a better version of the original Super Mario Brothers because three was more like Super Mario Brothers than two was like Super Mario Brothers. And if you, lo- I-, I played the shit out of two. I, I mean, I'll sit here. I-, I was given DP shit just because he had it higher than three, et cetera, et cetera. Two was a good game, but three was more like what you got when you bought a Nintendo than two was. Two was a little bit different. It had some different concepts in it. And then you throw the feather in there with the cape and everything else and what you're doing out there. It was just a very solid platform in my, in my opinion. Yeah, it was, it was such a deep game. Uh, like that's what I remember. And I remember, I mean, that game was marketed at the same time that the cinematic genius that was the movie, the wizard came out because that was the game that they played at the end, starring the great Fred Savage. It was, it was a terrific with the power glove commercial within the commercial. He loved the glove. It's so bad. The Watching great... the kid actually play a rad racer and it worked. That's <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> the well, great what I, legendary Fred Savage, folks. What 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 I loved about that movie was was actually less about that, but was when they get to the big video game final, uh, and the the gateway game was Ninja Gaiden, but then they were like, "You're going to play a game that's never been played." And you're like, "Ooh!" And then all the three finalists, all three find the fucking secret. Like, find the fucking warp whistles and shit. You've never played the game. You've never seen or heard of the game. Yet, you know, to fly up out of the screen, to land on top, to get the warp whistle. You kidding it's me? Obvious. It's obvious. Patrick. That's what they did in Super Patrick. Mario 1. You had to climb uh, up Patrick. the top. Patrick. Patrick, you're also a wrestling fan. Don't do not do that. No, Suspend I your do, disbelief. I, no, I do, I do this to Greg all the time. That's why he cuts me off now on the show. Like, I don't get to finish my thoughts anymore because you'd be like, no, we're not having that. So, yes, but I do. I love Super Mario 3. I love the concept of the world. I love the power-ups. Like, you could go to, like, the little, like, Toad's house and you could do the matching game. Or, you know, you had the little mini castles before you got to the big castle where you fought one of King Koopa's children. It was all great stuff. Lots of options. Just lots of options. Lots of different ways to approach things. More so than the other games, I thought. Yeah, you didn't have to hit every part of a stage to beat the stage. Right. Are we on my number seven? It is you, we are. man. Go ahead, DP. Why don't you just hit the beginning of this segment? You know, when we start video games. Oh, I gotcha. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Howard Cosell. Let me take you back to a moment in time in specific. It's Christmas 1986. A young PC tunny waiting around the tree the night before Christmas thinking, what will I get? Parents said, no way we could find a Nintendo entertainment system, but golly gosh gee if they didn't do it. The next morning, PC tunny bright-eyed and bushy-tailed wakes up, opens up the wrapping paper, and there it is. It's not a then Mike Tyson's punch out and the Nintendo Entertainment System. Bebe. King Hippo, uh, Glass Joe, Soda Popinski. I mean, everybody knows all the characters. Everybody knows all their Piston Honda, 
whatever you want to do. I mean, you you figured it out as you went along. You 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 caught their little glitches and you capitalized. And when you got to Mike Tyson, it was one hell of a fight, JP. Oh, forget about it. It's one of the the one of the ones I know besides the Contra code is the code to get to Mike Tyson. Yep. Everybody knows that one. Zero zero seven three seven three five nine six three. Yeah, everybody knows that. <laughs> I always I always loved going there and getting beaten in one punch. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yep. Don't. Well, very Mike go. Tyson though, right? Very very don't true. Blink. Literally, don't blink. Right. Well, and watch for him blinking. Like that was yeah. his tell, right? If I remember right. Yep. I think one of the cool things about the game, though, was is you didn't have to continuously play it. You could stop and write down the code to where you were, and you could come right. back and play the game later right. on, right? Right. And each level had a, a few more guys in it. You know, you started off with a couple in the minor circuit, the major circuit. You worked your way up. Yeah. So where who is who is the guy that stuck you the most in in Mike Tyson's punch out? Because everybody had like one that kind of stuck you for the longest. It took you forever to get past hippo. <laughs> really? Hippo. Oh. I could really? never get because I, I could beat Bald Bull, but I could never get past. I could. There was a lot of times I could never hit him on his little jumpy move. Yeah, the timing uh, was, was a little tricky on that one. I could never miss. The, I could never get the timing. The second iteration of Piston Honda. Me too. That was going to be mine. Damn. You. He just got. He just got like infinitesimally quicker. It was the right. same shit, but like boom, it happened. Like brr, well, like the eye roll, brr, boom, and then you're and, fucked. I remember in the original Nintendo version, uh, in the first go around, when he's the minor champ against Piston Honda, there was a glitch in his piston punch where he didn't have to dodge the piston punch. You could time it right and hit him in the head and he would go down. And then that, but that glitch wasn't in the second iteration. And so it was an awesome dose of reality the first time you try to do that shit. And you're like, oh. No, and it had to be a jab, not a right. Right. So, and then in the second iteration, when you tried it, you just got knocked out from it, right? Because it, he would hit you right before you would hit him, right? You just had to take it. Um, cl- yeah, classic, classic game was not the same when Tyson went down and they they just made it regular. Super, punch out yeah, super with, punch with, out was with Mr. Mr. Dream. At least they didn't yeah. turn it into Buster Douglas's punch out. You know that. <laughs> Se- Sega had to do what they had to do. All right, you know. They weren't all winners. <laughs> Said I had both, right? Right. That was. <laughs> I was like when they did that in WWF when Mike Tyson was supposed to be on that Saturday night's main event, and, and then he got he his lost. ass kicked in Tokyo. They were like, "Ah, oh, fuck! Now what are we supposed to do?" I get, yeah, Buster Buster Douglas. get Buster Douglas in here. That's oh, a fun story to listen to. Uh, I think it was uh, Bruce Pritchard talk about on on his show with Conrad Thompson. His players. He, he paid that off in '98. Right. <laughs> DP. All right, number seven for me is Super Metroid. Go ahead, Metroid convince Prime. me why this yeah. is better than Metroid Prime. <laughs> I probably won't convince you it's better than Metroid Prime, but it was just my favorite of the Metroid series. I still love the, the 2D style that they did here. Added some different elements than they did to the original. It still followed kind of the story of the original a bit with the with the mother brain and, and the you know the whole hosting and everything that they, they had on the first one. And it basically started off with that same thing where you're, you know, the, the levels are almost the same as it, but adding some extra elements, adding some new weapons rather than just a couple missiles. You had some grappling hooks and uh, some additional different missiles. They added some new weapons and 
I just love this game. I play it. I'll still play it today. I, I, they just released it recently. I guess not. Maybe not recently for the Switch. On the uh, if you download the Super Nintendo port, you know if you pay for the online service, that one was on there, and I played through it again. Just the the levels in there are great. It's the only thing I that's, that I don't like is it doesn't really guide you. You know where you need to go. That was obviously the part of the times that we lived in then where they didn't do that kind of thing. And so you had to figure out your way around and you could get stuck going one way and be completely, you know, basically get stopped from going anywhere forward. And you have to go all the way back to try and figure out where you need to go. Uh, but just the, the enemies in there, there was so much fun. The, the whole style of the game, being able to, you know, platform and, and play as Samus it was just awesome. I don't know what else to say about it, but just I loved, just loved, loved that game. Yeah, to be honest, they are very different games from each other. Super very Metroid different. and Metroid Prime are very different. Same character, same universe, but what is that, Tony? It's a, it's a map. Are it's we going? Map are we going looking for treasure? Oh, for crying out loud! That is. Is it? Is it my turn? No, it's still. It's, we're still on uh, DP here. Sorry, I had, I had muted. I had muted. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think it's Patrick's turn it. now. It's Patrick's turn. We're just we're just gonna we're gonna let that by. All right. So speaking of granddaddy of games, the granddaddy of stealth game series, in my opinion, the Metal Gear series started on the Nintendo Entertainment System, made a huge comeback in the PlayStation um, platform of games with Metal Gear Solid, but Metal Gear was the first. Nintendo games, I remember where it was like it had the look of an action game, but was not an action game. And you didn't really like you talked about games not really telling you what to do. Uh, me not catching on that this was a stealth game right away and that the object was to not be seen by the bad guys. And sort of uh, things that sort of cut in. Metal Gear Solid game, I remember with cut scenes, lengthy like dialogue scenes where as much of the game was these you know these great cinematics and intrigue as a plot is revealed that um, went through metal gear solid was the first game i remember where there were multiple trophies and rewards depending on how you played and won the game there was you know a very specific scene in metal gear solid which depending on how you finished it you saved one character versus the other um, it was great. Metal Gear Solid Four was the game that came with my um, purchase of uh, my PlayStation Three. Uh, loved it. The only Metal Gear Solid game I've played that I did not enjoy was Metal Gear Solid Three, uh, and that was the one where you had to like eat, like you had to like continue to like eat and like take time to like hunt food and stuff. And I'm like, I don't want to do this in this game. Like that's not why I play Metal Gear Solid. Um, but my God, like, and it had everything like it had, you know, boss fights that were actually like you had to do specific things to win boss fights. And it wasn't always intuitive. Like, I still remember Psycho Mantis from Metal Gear Solid, where he could read your mind. And basically it was that it you had to switch the controller plug in from player one to player two in order for him to not to be able that. to see what you could do. Uh, 
But I remember, and I remember at one point when the boss fight begins, it would read your memory card. And yep. if you had a Konami game, it would tell you what Konami games you had. It would make fun of you if you hadn't saved very often. I loved just, it was so creative. It was so unique. Um, and again, it's a game that relies on stuff. Most of the game is not about getting into fights. Um, it's about not being seen. It's about not being spotted by cameras. It's about not being there. It's about infiltrating. Uh, loved those games. Still love those games. Play them. Play them a lot. Yeah, I know I had Metal Gear Solid 4 was, uh, where was that on my list? That was 43, and Metal Gear Solid was number somewhere on here. It was lower, yeah. Oh, 22. Um, but yeah, they were, they're great games, and, and, and part of your explanation there was, uh, was breaking up badly, but, uh, it's all right. You got the point across. But yeah, they're, they're just great games because they're, they're, they're not guns a blazing, like, some of the stuff we might talk about in a little bit it's it's very like you're saying stealth strategy <clears throat> what's the best weapon to use hey i'm going to use some cigarette smoke to display these trip wires you know just clever little things like that that hadn't been done before so yeah they're fantastic games so that brings me to my number six which i haven't heard tony say is say yet so i'm willing to bet that means that it's higher up because we've already moved this along once um, but it's Tecmo Bowl slash Tecmo Super Bowl. And Tony is waving the fingers, so we'll move on to DP for his number six. This, this, has become, this has become a game of sheep's head. If you're a good player, you know what cards are left. Right. <laughs> well, number six for me is Goldeneye for the Nintendo 64. Uh, Watched you play that a lot. You you promised the first uh, the first. 41 through 50 we were going to talk about this so. <laughs> i said it was a long ways away and it was here we are <laughs> uh yeah for me just the first time the first first person shooter i played that like just completely entranced me and it was just so amazing from the start where you're basically <laughs> when you start in a you know in a uh, ac vent and dropping down into a toilet was pretty funny and then just the whole gameplay of that, I mean, it was so innovative. It was so different. It had that, you just still had that stealth element in a lot of the levels, but then, you know, the rest of it was, you could just, you could run and gun and shoot if you wanted to. You didn't necessarily have to do stealth at all, um, but it certainly helped in a lot of levels. It had all sorts of different, you know, each level was completely different. One where you'd be outside in the snow, one where you're, you know, jumping off a, a bridge and things like that. And just everything was so different than the complex where you're in, in just in a regular looking office room area kind of thing. And the, the plethora of different characters, the fact that it, it followed the GoldenEye movie storyline a bit, obviously, you know, not 100%, but, you know, it was very similar to it. And just remembering the control room when you get towards the la- one of the last levels, the control room, I can't tell you how many goddamn times it took me to beat that level finally because it was so goddamn hard where you had to protect Boris while he's, you know, hacking into the system. And there's guys coming from different levels from left and right all over the place. And you got to try and protect him. It was just damn near impossible. It was so hard. Uh, And then the deathmatch element, being able to have four, you know, get your buddies together Four different screens, you know, on the same screen, four different blocks, going through your different guys, learning those levels, all the different secret ed paths, passageways that were there, the different styles that you could do. 
whoever played his odd job was an asshole. Um, but I couldn't I even remember when I played his odd job. <laughs> I had uh, uh, my, like... my my brother. I remember playing my brother and his buddy. Uh, <laughs> that game quite a bit. And one of them would play his odd job because he was just so terrible. And he would just get his ass kicked and be just so frustrated. It was hilarious. I couldn't win his odd job with the golden gun. That's <laughs> that's how terrible at that game I was. Uh, yeah. my I mean, just my favorite of all time, first-person shooters. Great game. I, I mean, it, it was lower on my list, a lot lower. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's too much fun. Extremely popular game. One of the first, like, I, I, you play that online, right? No, 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 that was no, for the yeah, prior yeah, to online. Yeah, y'all had to gather around in a room, four controllers. <sighs> Wasn't there another iteration later on in a different uh, Probably. system? They did a they did a Goldeneye 007 like reboot kind of where it was it wasn't exactly the same game, but pretty similar that they did later on, yeah. Okay. Uh me, number six. Uh, this game came with a map. There's two sides to it. You got oh okay. Fire up. I know. We'll get to I know which one it is. Right? We'll get to New we'll get to New Austin and New Hanover later. Maybe even a little West Elizabeth. Oh, this this <laughs> is the last episode, so tonight, today. It's gonna happen today. Dave, you're number six. Uh my number six is the first of two Bethesda games that made my top six, and it's uh Fallout three. So I mean it, <laughs> the, the whole concept of uh of you, you end up in like one of these fallout vaults where you're down there when there's a nuclear war and then you come out you emerge into the world and all hell is broken loose everything's fucked up you got uh the story's great they've got like the guns where <laughs> they had this attack system where you like everything slows down and you can focus in on certain body parts and just shoot people in certain body parts the landscape is littered with all sorts of crazy creatures and mutants and they have got, you know, like every good Bethesda game, they got tons of side quests. There's just a never ending amount of things to do. It really, and it took the Fallout series, which was good to begin with, and really kind of brought it high def. And there's just so much going on with this game. Just so many things that, that, I mean, it's just, it's just one of those type of situations where you can just get lost for like 100 hours or 60 hours, 80 hours of just going and doing stuff. Um, and it's just a fantastic game. So yeah, Fallout Three was number six for me. Nobody's got anything on that. That's fun. never never played the Fallout series, unfortunately. I, I really I tried to get into it, and Fallout Three was the first um, first Fallout game, only Fallout game I ever like bought or played. I I just couldn't like I don't know why like I don't know why I struggled with it to to get excited behind it to get into it. So that's why I didn't make my list. It was that that one in the Bioshock series are like the two that I wanted to play and just never could I don't know bring myself to get going into it I guess they're right. both they're both on my list Dan so go play them so right. <laughs> um number five on the list is my highest ranked Zelda game I know it's not Dan's but he mentioned it earlier it is Ocarina of Time which I know Dan's an even bigger Zelda fan than I am but this game was like took all the stuff that Zelda, like similar to Super Mario, wasn't it? Where they basically took Zelda yep. and said, 3D, here you go. And and I mean, and they just did so many things well in this game. It was just, just taking in the whole world that you were dropped into in that 3D environment for the first time was 
I, I mean, and they did such a great job with the story and just everything about that game fit together so perfectly. I know a lot of people who say this is the greatest game of all time. It's real high on my list. I know a lot of the Zelda games later have done like Breath of the Wild was really good. Wind Waker, which we talked about, was really good. Twilight Princess. Wasn't that another Zelda game? They all took and they but they all basically stemmed from Ocarina of Time and what they did in the 3D environment and, and kind of just went with that i mean it's it's my favorite zelda game uh just i the one i had the most fun with go ahead dan i you can so, uh, you can add a lot of stuff so, to this so, so uh, wait so dan it was higher on your list it was number eight on my list okay and it's what on your list dave six it's five on my list number five uh, five it was 12 for me gotcha yeah the i mean the elements they added like you said they changed you know now all of a sudden it went to 3d completely changed the way the zelda games were played adding that that lock-on enemy kind of technology or thing that you could do where you could roam around them in 3D, but, you know, still see, you know, be attached to the where the enemy was as opposed to kind of getting lost trying to run around them. The fighting style, adding that, you know, blocking and parrying and everything. Now, the addition of, you know, Epona, your horse, being able to ride the horse and go through this the immersive land that you could see as opposed to just that top-down view. You could see everything right in front of you and be able to ride around and do that kind of stuff. And the mini games they added where you could do the horse racing and stuff. And just so, again, yeah, just so innovative. It changed the scope. The story was great uh, with the whole changing of the times where you go back and forth in time and things would be different as you go and do different things like we did with Majora's Mask. It just added so many new elements that changed the way they did Zelda going forward. I can't add I remember anything watching, else I remember watching Dan beat this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ganon liter- at the end of that one was awesome. I would literally, we would hang out on Saturday nights or whatever, and whenever we had time to just kind of get together and hang out, and if nothing was going on, it'd be like, I'm coming over, let's play some video games. And this was one game I didn't mind not playing and just watching him play, you know, and kind of being a second mind, to be honest with you. There wasn't many things that I figured out before him, but I got a couple along the way. And uh, it it was something that even though I didn't have the controller, it really felt like we were playing it together because it was such a such a phenomenal game. Yeah, it's it's a classic by far. Is it me now? Are we on number five here? It's my my number five. UPC, yeah. My number five is and I'm not sure exactly what iteration it might have been two. But it's a game that was passed along to me by DP. And I think it was not for the 360, but for an Xbox version before that. It was Midnight Club. And it's just a phenomenal racing game. And the different things you can do and how you can design your car, not only aesthetically, but like driving-wise. And the different missions you had and the different cruisability you had to go around and do whatever you wanted to do. And just to kind of figure out how to win these races and progress... It was one of the, it's my top racing game ahead of Mario Kart and F-Zero and all that stuff. And I just thought it was way ahead of its time for the different things you could do, especially the different paint jobs you could put on your car, et cetera. I know, DP, you can speak to that. Another Rockstar Games classic, you know, and yeah, PC and I used to sit when we were, you know, rooming together. We used to sit and play that game back and forth and trade the controller between each race if we succeeded or not. And finding what I loved about that game was that there was no, it wasn't a straight shortcut. Path. There yeah. were shortcuts. There was different ways you could go to get to the ending. 
and I love that rather than just, you know, for racing games, I love that where you have options before you can go. And yeah, I remember just, just going through that game left and right. It was so fun. And the shortcuts weren't easy too. It was like, uh, go underneath the parking garage of this building and hit the ramp that goes up into the second level of this mall and jump out this window. And that's going to get you cut across the, this portion of the city. So it was just, it was well designed in the playability. Like we talk about, it was phenomenal. Yeah, that was a fun game, man. Different. I mean, at a time when Grant, yeah, Rockstar took a took the what Gran Turismo had done and said, oh, "Let's uh, let's make this crazy." <laughs> That's what they do best. That's right. That is what well, they do best. You know, and it, and it fell in line with the movies too. Like you had Rock and everybody else doing their different Fast and Furious things. This was a game where you could actually go in and design your own car. What kind of car do you want to have? What kind of look do you want to have while you're playing this game? It was a good dis- departure from like what Gran Turismo and Forza was doing, and then you got Midnight Club, which was, uh, which was yeah, like, very Fast and Furious like. All right, number five for me is Portal Two. Um, if you played, you know, and we talked about the Orange Box earlier um, that I had at number twelve, um, part of the Half Life series, you know, Valve. They put Portal and maybe we'll, like, you know, I'll put Portal One in with this one as well. But the fact that Originally, Portal was just a throwaway. Here, here's some cool stuff we kind of did with this gravity gun, you know, type of thing where you can create these portals. And here's some puzzles and stuff we just messed around with. And it wasn't even supposed to be anything great. It was just this goofy little story that they did. It was, you know, only was, what, four hours, maybe eight. I don't think it was eight hours worth of a game, uh, Portal 1. And it just turned into this ridiculous phenomenon. It was, it was so amazing to play, to find these puzzles, use these different uh, companion cubes. There was no real enemies. There was these turrets that would shoot at you and could kill you if they saw you. Um, but that was it. It wasn't, wasn't really shoot em up game. It wasn't anything like that. It was solving puzzles in different creative ways where you created these two different uh, portals to walk through walls and different areas and what they did with Portal 2 was obviously turned it into a full-length game. And they added, uh, you know, this additional story element where the first one was basically just, you know, you kind of trying to escape whatever, you know, you were in this confinement and you were held hostage kind of to do these experiments, but you had no idea why. And in the first one, you basically tried, you know, you escape and you supposedly kill the the bad robot at the end. Gladys. Um, but obviously... <laughs> Gladys, yeah, you find out she's not completely dead in the second one, but they they add this additional story of a whole thing about back when it originally started and tie in, you know, Black Mesa from, you know, the Half-Life series as this is what they've been creating this whole time and the 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 additional puzzles and everything that they add is just I mean it was so different. It was like ridiculous amount of fun just trying to solve how to get from one from the starting point to the ed, to the exit for each level. And throughout this entire thing, you're learning this story. You have HK Simmons uh, uh, does the voice of cave Johnson, who is like this, you know, back background character. And you learn the story of where it all began. And as you finish each different level, you're basically getting made fun of uh, by the audio that's playing in the background makes, you know, yeah. gives you jokes and calls you fat and taunting you all this different time. stuff. And, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's just fantastic, and it makes it mo- that much more entertaining to play. And I just absolutely love this game. Yeah, it's it's so unique and clever <laughs> that it's there's not nothing else really like it. 
Oh, and maybe someday I'll play the orange box games. Um, so for me, for my number, whatever, five, five, <laughs> five. number five, I think. Five. That's uh, five. Not, not going to lie, guys. We're, we're, we're in like our number three of the show. So, um, my number five is my next final fantasy game. Uh, in the United States, it was final fantasy three in Japan. It was final fantasy six, um, was just for me. And it's my, it's my favorite of the sort of the traditional final fantasy games. The, the scope of this game was, was, was what really brought me in. Uh, and it had a plethora of characters that were all wholly individual and unique. Um, and no two characters was, did the same thing. And, and that was just uh, awesome for for this game it wasn't like they each had different like jobs and roles no everybody was a different class and each one of those classes each and every one of those classes had its own unique abilities that made them unique to your party and gave them skills that could help your party uh was the first final fantasy game i remember playing to find all the secret hidden items and you know, and abilities and and things that you needed uh, to win a game was I, I spent hours in a specific cave because it couldn't because it had a cave um, of creatures that couldn't attack invisible characters, so that you could fight out two hundred and sixty some battles to uncurse a shield to give you the ability to use this shield that then gave you an Esper that allowed you to do one of the more powerful summons in the game. Um, I remember choosing Ragnarok, the sword over Ragnarok, the Esper because the sword was more useful and the story was just ridiculously huge and deep and engaging. And for me, it is my all time favorite final fantasy game. And one that I can replay again and again and again with, you know, never using the same party, ever uh with the exception of setzer who is always in my party because he has this really cool weapon called loaded dice and you give him a thing called a genji glove and he attacks things eight times with this dice and kills everything and that's super cool <laughs> i can't add anything to that Fa- my <laughs> favorite final fantasy game by by far so that brings us into my number four uh as we as we tr- cut into the third hour of, of the the bandwagon nerds Almost. podcast almost um i've talked about these games a ton as a dungeons and dragons player um second edition D guy back in the 80s and early 90s uh, tsr was the company that owned and published dungeons and dragons and they put out a bunch of dungeons and dragons simulation games called the ss um under the company strategic simulations incorporated and they were called the gold box games and there are nine of these Dungeons and Dragons second edition simulation games that to this day I have continued to play over and over and over again. I have them saved on my current laptop just to play Dungeons and Dragons in, in a in a computer on a computer system. Uh, they took place in three or in two different worlds: the Kryn um, setting and the Forgotten Realm settings. 
Uh, and books were based off of a couple of those computer games. There's tie-ins to to those games. I used to read the books that went along with the games. It had all the character classes, had all the rules, and had grossly unfair final boss fights that would wipe out your entire entire party in less than a minute. Uh, love those games. You can still play them on GOG.com. You can buy them. They're licensed. They're proper. They're legal and lots and lots of fun. I don't. I mean, I don't remember playing those, but I remember hearing about them. But they sound like something I definitely need to check out. See, we're all learning something I mean, from our list here. <laughs> well, the thing about and it was like they took all the rules seriously, like encumbrance, like like you couldn't have too much stuff or it would impact your movement and how far you could walk. Um, and that was really annoying. Um, kept track of time. You had to memorize time. It was a um, first person labyrinth to walk through dungeons. So you had to like map up where you went. And the first place you go to, there's a fight you walk into that will kill you every time because your level one characters can walk in on a bunch of trolls and some ogres goofing off and they kill you. Like you have no chance. It's brutal. It's a great game. Sounds like Dungeons and Dragons. Very much so. Number four, DP. Number four for me, a little game called WWF No Mercy for the Nintendo 64. You could almost put the other ones in that uh, N64 era there, WWF WrestleMania 2000. It was WCW Revenge and, and WCW NWO World Tour that were pretty much very the same game, but obviously No Mercy added a few elements to it. Uh, with the ability to create characters and save them to your memory pack and the ridiculous amount of customization you could do to those characters was insane. They had every single move and you could sit there for hours creating your characters and creating the moves. PC Tunny, you ready to throw your two cents into this one? Well, we did create a character myself, DP and Satchel McFlippins, uh, his name, El Savior Jesus Christ. Full garb coming down. Uh, <laughs> crown of thorns. Uh, Jesus driver was the finisher. He did rain hell, death, and destruction from the skies on his opponents. Yes, indeed. It was the one and only Jesus Christ. JC Cruiser's on his feet. And a seamless garb upon his body. Is it is it wrong that the creative suite on N sixty four works better than the creative suite on WWE two K twenty? I I mean absurd. <laughs> they still to this day, I'm telling you, they like, have not gotten it right. Yeah. Why do I no. have to go through like an hour and a half of setup on a character when I could just do it in twenty minutes on fucking N sixty four and it had the same customization? <laughs> Yeah, it was great. Exactly, and the gameplay was phenomenal. The everything. I mean, to this day, I there's not one wrestling game I've played that's any better than this, customization wise, play style wise. I just I absolutely loved it. It was a great simulation. You know, it's not 100 percent arcadey. I mean, you could create your. I mean, even your entrance you could create. But like, I can't tell you the hours we spent creating all our different characters that weren't in the game, all the different wrestlers and superstars. PC would sit there and set up the how he looked and all his outfits, and I then I would go through and put in the moves, and we'd be all set. And you know, we'd play different. I mean, tag teams and playing, winning the championships. They had a little storyline, but the best, you know, going through the Royal Rumble 
I remember to unlock some characters, you had to get through the Royal Rumble. You had to, you know, and it was just a, they had like, a, I can't remember what they called it. Was it just a gauntlet rumble or whatever that they called it, where you had to get through at like each group of 10 that you would unlock a new character, like Vince McMahon would be one and Shane. And then like to unlock Andre the Giant, you had to get through 100 guys. And I, I can't remember how long it took us to finally get through the 100th guy so that we could unlock Andre the Giant. But, you know, you could set up factions and move your guys around. I just, I don't know, to this day, man, there is not a wrestling game like it. We're open with the with no WWE 2K20 uh, that maybe we'll go back. And, uh, hey, let's bring back THQ and let's get this game going again. Wishful yeah. thinking, Tony. But keep, keep hope alive, buddy. Pipe dreams. <laughs> pipe bombs. Pipe dreams for pipe bombs. What's your number four, PC? My number four. Let's talk Tech Mobile, Techmo Super Bowl, Super Tech Mobile, whatever the fuck you want to talk about it. Bo Jackson is the shit, right? Period. End of story. What else do you want to talk about? <laughs> uh, that I prefer to play as the Bears with Walter Payton and Mike Singletary Ooh. and Dave Dorson and Steve McMichael and... I'm, I'm sorry, your mouth. Or you could just, or you could be in San Francisco and take uh, Joe Montana and run all the way backwards to the other end zone and then toss a deep Throw ball it all to Jerry the way to Rice Jerry and Rice. catch it. Here's <laughs> the ultimate tribute to this game: is the fact that people have different sound bites for different things that happened in this game as different like notifications on their phone, right? Like the interception or et cetera, right. et cetera. And the first iteration of the high five for these guys and cutscenes to the players. It was just playability once again. Right. You know, well, like, you went from having this many plays and then the future version, this many plays. Yep, right. there you go. And then you get to Super Nintendo where you could actually substitute guys in the roster for where you wanted yep. them and pick your own plays and build your own well, playbook. So the game progressed as it as, as and it that was Yeah, and that was the one where they, they put full-on rosters and I would play as the Buffalo Bills. Actually, I was a Bears fan. And the Bears were trash, but the Bills, it was during the Bills. Yeah, they are. Like, four-year run. <laughs> they, hey, I my team is trash. I'm okay with it. Um, but you had... Uh, probably remember, why you're a Cardinals fan. Yeah, because they win. Well, I'm sorry. I know. Um, I thought you like bandwagon No, no, <laughs> no Cubs, no. what, you couldn't wait around for them? No, see, you got to understand, I grew up in central Illinois, where we get to divide our loyalties between oh. the north part of the state and the south part of the state. Anyway, Copy that, Boba Fett. Anyway, the, uh, but I, I um, PlayStation, again, came through. PlayStation 3 in the, play, in the PlayStation Store, you could actually download Tecmo Super Bowl um, to the PlayStation, and I downloaded it. And they didn't have player names like they didn't that didn't port over, but it allowed you to change the names of everybody. So I went back, looked up every NFL Tecmo Super Bowl roster and named the entire game so that I could go through and have Cornelius Bennett on my defensive back in, in my linebacker core Boom. to get after it with Bruce Smith against anybody and everybody. Run Thurman Thomas down your throat. Throw it to Andre, Andre Reed. Reed. So often. So Don Beebe was on that team. Like love Super those Bowl teams. champion Green Bay Packers, Don Beebe. Right, right, right. Anyway, <laughs> so yes, here, here, here we go. Here's to the Tecmo Super Bowl. Quick, Dave, before somebody else makes a Packer joke. Oh, no more Packer jokes. Uh, my number four is what's up? 
we're still podcasting. Yes, even yeah, my, my wife is. Don't my you have more cats to rescue? Thing. Jesus Christ! How do you want to know if you have more cats to rescue? Thirty-seven minutes no. ago. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, baby. I didn't mean it. Like, I'm just... little baby is going to in two weeks. He will be off to the. I think it's the Kitten Corner Cafe Rescue and Lounge in Washington to find his forever home. Great. Since we don't want this podcast to be four hours, I'm going to move on then because uh, well, our, Kitten Corner Cafe does not all start with K's, does it? Because that would be very number, number very four, Mister Ongar. My number four is the other Bethesda game that uh, made my list, and it's uh, the Elder Scrolls Skyrim. And Elder Scrolls, of course, massive franchise. They got Oblivion was great. Morrowind was great. Skyrim's my favorite. I know a lot of people like there's there's a healthy a lot, a lot of people who don't dig this game because I mean, like we talked about side quests earlier. I mean, this game is the mother of side quests. There is so much shit going on in this thing. It's you got the main story and yeah, you've completed the main story and you're 30 percent done. You're like, wait, 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 what the f- what the hell just happened? Uh, there's so much to do in this game. I know one of the complaints is, yeah, there's a lot to do, but really, once you get all this stuff, you don't have anything to really do so much with it, that sort of stuff. But there's so many things to do, so many creatures to uh, interact with, so many, you know, the character building that you can do is probably the best of any role-playing game that there is out there. What are you doing? Don't let your horse die, because that is a tragic, tragic, heartbreaking event. I, I couldn't handle that. Christopher let his horse die that one time to show me about the... I, no, what, what's the purpose of that? It's heartbreaking. I, I'm never feeding sick. my family tonight, am I, guys? No, you're not. <laughs> yeah, um, be fine. I, but look... To, for, what, for what it's worth, I'm in so much trouble <laughs> today. Yeah, I'm just trying. I'm keeping an eye on my on my pulled pork temperature, which I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, um, but I, I don't know. If, was this the game with the Macho Man mod, or which one was the one where the uh, they had the mod where the flying dragon had Randy Savage's head on it? And you know, when the dragons would land and blow out fire, instead he would go, "Ooh, yeah!" and a fucking fire would flame out. I don't know if it was this game. Look it up, guys. It's the greatest <laughs> mod in Elder Scrolls history. It might have been Morrowind. I'm not sure, but look, somebody look it up. It's it's insane. But yeah, I mean, Elder Scrolls Skyrim for me, so much to do. <laughs> that's just that's it. So much to do and so many cool scenes and and the and and the landscape and the world. It's just fantastic. So, unless anybody's got anything to do, I'll move on to number three because I know Patrick will have something to say about this. It's Final Fantasy VII. Look, I I mean, I I get it. Patrick, it's not your favorite, and that's it's my favorite because it's like, well, let's take everything that we liked about Final Fantasy on the Nintendo, let's move it over into uh onto the PlayStation, let's add a lot of the 3D elements, let's make this insanely long story. The story's so long that they gotta like on the remake, they gotta download the chapters separately because there's so much shit that they're trying to do with the remake, which is a really solid game in its own right. But and I do like I was gonna mention to Morgan last week, the remake includes all the cheesy repetitive dialogue from the original one you know they just say the same shit i told you i know what i was doing yeah i get it you know what you're doing that's fantastic but you know you got cloud strife you got the story going on (laughs) shinra ruining the world it just it just i mean i i mean if you haven't played final fantasy 7 go play it i'm curious as to why it's not your favorite patrick but it's my favorite of the final fantasy series and because we're going on four hours i don't want to extrapolate too much longer right i mean i enjoy it 
Um, I, it was, you know, in my top 20 for crying out loud. Like it wasn't I like I hated it. Um, I think it has a great story. I love it. I, I never forgive a game that gives you a character that you can play and build and then kills it and takes it away from you forever. Um, which is what they do with Eris. Um, uh, it's also very linear, um, which has always been one of my problems up to a point, uh, until you get into the land of like Chocobo racing to get Knights of the Round, you know, it's beautiful. It's a beautifully done game. The cinematics are terrific and amazing. Um, but yeah, for me, it's just not a game I replay. And when we talk about these like games that, that I replay are the like, I find that I always end up with the same party at the end of that game, no matter how many times I play it. I just love the fact that Cloud has a sword that's twice his size. You know, that always oh, yeah, that's totally. always was fun. <laughs> so no, I get it. I get the appeal. But yeah, for me, it's just, it's always been, it's always up there, but it's not one that I'm like, yes, must play. And, it, and it's easily, I mean, they got it on the PlayStation Classic. You can play it on your iOS device. Uh, it, it's very accessible even to this day. And the remake is definitely worth your time. But yeah, expect right. a massive download. So on to Tunny then for his number three. My number three. I think is a game that DP and I have probably spent more time together playing than any other fucking game we've ever played together. And that's Tony Hawk's pro skater. And what a fucking game that is just to go into the alien level and do the double jump and then ride it into the grind and everything else you could do. It was amazing. Like you could take so many skate moves that you could never ever possibly do in a row and just do whatever you could. You could nolly for fucking ever if you knew the code and just kind of, you know, balance on your skateboard. The amount of time we ended up playing this game and trying to build up points, and, and it was such a video game, though. It was such a video game. Like, you had to clear levels and find different secrets. DP, you can probably explain this game better than I can. Yeah, number 23 on my list, specifically the second one, because I think the second one was the best. But the, the different levels with the downhill, some of them were, you know, a straight downhill level where you had to hit certain things and you didn't have an opportunity to go backwards. And then some were just a flat, you know, level where you could run around. But you only had a few minutes each level, each round to try and get different things. You had to get the letters to spell skate. You had to pick up these VHS tapes that were in certain areas and finding all the different hidden things. If you grinded a certain thing just right, it would open up a little, a new area that you could go into and all the different, like I think in the, the one in the schoolyard was, I think that was the first one where you're in the schoolyard and you had to grind the, you know, the bells on different walls to, you know, set off the bells and everything like that. Just, yeah. And so many different moves and things that you could put together that you wouldn't, yeah. Very arcadey, something you're not going to do in real life. Or anything like that, but it was just so entertaining to play. And every time you'd fight, try and figure out something new, or try this. You want to try this certain thing, but you only had a certain amount of time to do it. And I remember just us, us switching back and forth, trying to collect all these different things each round. It was those were so fun. Damn cruise ship! I hated that thing. <laughs> <laughs> if you played the game, you just know. Yeah, you just know exactly. DP, your number three. Number three for me, Grand Theft Auto. For me specifically, five. But you could put in three, four. When six, when six if it ever comes out, six will replace this one. It, I mean, they just keep getting better and better. 
I love the Grand Theft Auto, the whole Rockstar. This whole series is just uh, one of my all-time favorites, obviously being number three. Uh, you know, the innovation of the sandbox, you know, type of atmosphere. They really just hit it out of the park. They started this whole thing, in my opinion, with the abilities to have different stories go on. You get a level. You can complete it however the hell you want as long as you get to the ending. There's no set path. Everything's sandbox. Everything's wide open. The whole world. They kept And as every iteration, they added new things where you could fly planes and you know, they had, you know, besides cars and motorcycles, they had all these different types of things you could do. And the story just kept getting better and better. And something like you mentioned, Patrick, with the, you know, Metal Gear, there was the one part that I hated was San Andreas, where you had to eat and you had to exercise, basically. Otherwise, your character would get fat and out of shape. And I'm like, I, OK, I don't want to do that part. Can I just do my missions and run around and blow right. shit up? Uh, run over people so that was the in the only crosswalk. Thing I, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, one, of my, one, one of my favorite things from the game is when you're driving in the car and just tooling around, you can change the radio stations. Yeah. And there are so many and different so things many going different, on. Yeah. 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 They're so innovative and different. Yeah. Yeah. Four was my favorite Grand Theft Auto four, but, but like they all Vice City four, five, they, they all have a different, like the protagonist is always very unique and very different. Like four was all about the Russian stuff going on yeah, and that sort nico. of thing nico yeah uh but yeah i mean as far as opening the world i mean the whole sandbox experience this is the game that kicked all that really off and uh, or the series that kicked that off it's unique i mean you can do stuff in that game that you would never think about doing in real life um you know sleeping with prostitutes to really? regain your health and things like that hey you know <laughs> what's wrong with that but uh grant them thought it to make you better that's right that's right and they're fantastic games man <laughs> I thought you were going to say they're fantastic hates. Uh No, I wasn't going to go there, but. But I'm ching. All right, my number three is the last Final Fantasy game I have in my list. It's Final Fantasy Tactics, which originally came out for the PlayStation. Um, was another one of those games that was re-released under various editions. And um, has just continued to come out, um, whether it's for the PSP or downloadable on the PlayStation. And again, this is just one of those things where you can go all out um, and have just a variety of characters, whether it's through classes, creation, um, as you play along through the game. It has a very deep um, story involving two best friends that are in conflict with one another. It's just overall it's a very well played out game and tactics is very much the name of the game and strategy is very much a big part of this rpg um where different character classes have major influences on what you're able to do and how you're able to defeat various bosses uh until you get to the end of the game and uh i love it i love it i love it i love it i play it over and over and over again um and it's a different game every time I play it. And that's probably why it's my favorite Final Fantasy game is because it's a different game every time I play it. It's unique. I, I mean, it, it, it's very different from the Final Fantasy series. I mean, right. the stuff you're used to that, you know. It's still, I mean, it's still a turn-based RPG. Yep. Um, but it's done on, you know, on a three-dimensional map. Terrain matters. Different character classes can do different things. Um, ninjas, for example 
example, have the ability to wield two weapons. They're characters that give your characters the ability to avoid any sort of height or distance so that you can walk over mountains as if it's flat land. Um, you had these two basic skill types, faith and um, strength. I can't remember what the other one was, but the higher your faith was, the more powerful you were in magic, which was great. But it also meant you took more damage from magic. And so, like, there were different way, things that came into play as you looked at your opponents and what you needed to do to be able to combat them. So Final Fantasy Tactics was my number three. And so that brings me to my number two, which is my only football game, or my version of uh, Madden. It's the NCAA Football 2014 by EA Sports for the PlayStation 3. Um, I love pro football, but I really love college football. I, I love watching college football. I, you know, it's no secret I'm a big fan of the University of Illinois here. However, I will watch college football all day Saturday, no matter who's on, when's on, what's on. I will watch the late night Pac-12 game. I will do it all. Uh, and I love um, playing and building a dynasty as my as my University of Illinois Fighting Illini or um, and this is the thing that I loved about NCAA football 2014. Your dynasty mode allowed you to be a coach and you could start as either a defensive coordinator or an offensive coordinator for a program if you wanted to. And accomplishments in the game got you sort of experience points that then you could use towards different skills to boost your players. And when you eventually became a head coach, you were allowed a skill tree that boosted your ability as both a coach and as a recruiter. Uh, and so it would impact the type of recruits and the quality of recruits that you could try to bring in uh, to your program to give yourself an edge as you try to build your, your football team. And so for me, NCAA 2014 was my number two. Is that the last year that they had one? That was the last one that they did. That's all I got. All right. Number two for me, The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past, Finally. The Super Nintendo. It actually has been my number one forever and has finally been bumped off the number one list by another game. But I think yeah. I know what that yeah, is. You now. Got a map. I know what it you is. You got a map over there, PC. You know what it is. This game <clears throat> took the original Legend of Zelda and just to a thousand percent. I mean, the, the story was fantastic. It was still the original top down view. It basically said, take your uh, Zelda 2 and suck it because Zelda 2 was <laughs> god awful. And they went back to the way they had it, which was great. The story is just awesome. I loved it. They added all these different things with, you know, the flutes where you could warp to different places. It was a little easier to find some of your levels that you had to get through. But they added this element of the dark world where, you know, everything changed and things like that. So you had to you started off in the regular overview, did a couple things, and then this whole dark world came about. And was just fantastic. I play this game to this day. And based, I don't know how many, a few hours that it takes to beat it now, but they just came out with it for the Switch. Again, if you, if you buy it, you know, if you subscribe to the online and the Super Nintendo downloads that you can do. And I, geez, I can't even remember the amount of times I've played through this game. I know PC has watched me play through this one plenty of times. Well, and with, I've played this one. Day, <laughs> it was just. This is the one I've played. Yeah. And it was one where you didn't have to do everything in the game either. Like you could, there was certain things in the game that you may never even get to, you know, side quests and little mini games that you can play. And there's different, um, 
things that you can get, like there's a, you know, these magic rods and a magic cape that makes you invisible. You don't even have to get them if you don't want to and get to the story. You could bypass a handful of different things and still get to the ending and be satisfied if you wanted to. But there's these extra little things that you can find, you know, in the story that, you know, just surprise you don't even need. To me, what made this one of the best Zelda games and not only the best video games of all time is the bosses. How fun the bosses were. They were impossible. But they were interesting and they were all different. And you had different sections on your map and you had bosses to conquer all over the place. So the map, the secrets, and the bosses, to me, AOK number one right here, hot sauce. It was number 30 for me. Uh, yeah, everything you guys say is a fantastic Zelda game. Wasn't the boss fight with Ganon where the floor fell away underneath you um, as you were trying to like fight him? Like it would start around the outside and like you just get yep. tighter and tighter. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember playing that one through on the Super Nintendo too. Like loved that game to death. I remember calling DP and going, "I don't know what to do here. What should I do?" And he would be like, "Not just tell me exactly what to do, but little clue, little hint, little push, little nudge." Yeah. <laughs> Let's nudge you to your number two, Tony. All right. My number two is none other than John Madden football. I, I, you know, it's probably the most iconic sports game of all time. I mean, boom, tough acting, ten acting, et cetera. It's John Madden. You've played it since Sega, et cetera, moving forward. Now there's online tournaments where guys make a living doing it. Like, the actual playbooks from the NFL are in there. You can go ahead and grab a franchise and move them. You can create their uniform. You can control whatever you want to do in that game. You can also pick your own guy and make your own destiny. But it's the classic football game. It, it's probably the most iconic sports game of all time. I remember on the Genesis, the first time I saw somebody fumble the ball, I was just like blown the fuck away. I was like, what? <laughs> because right. you know you weren't used a to fumble. a fumble a real fumble and uh i think like the 2004 version of madden was the one where michael vick was on there and he was just like almost bo jackson level unstoppable from tecmo bowl but on madden they they call it the cheat code michael right. michael vick was the cheat code like if you had him and your opponent didn't then and if you both did it was a different game but if one of you had him and you didn't you couldn't sack him you basically run circles around the defense, kind of like a kick return in Tech Mobile, if you knew what you're doing <laughs> on the zigzag level. That's right. Right. I um my my uh favorite version of Madden was an old school PlayStation One version back when Barry Sanders was still with the Lions. Um, because he was the same thing. Like you could take the Lions to the Super Bowl because unlike the real real world, Barry Sanders could not be tackled. Uh, you know, one spin move and he was out of it and you were gone. Loved, uh, loved playing as Barry. There was a time when I could play against people who were Madden players, but not expert Madden players. And I could see what they lined up on offense, pick my defense, adjust it, and put the controller down. And my team would intercept it and return it for a touchdown. DP has witnessed this against the general. I was going to mention that. I remember playing this with the, <laughs> with the PC and everything, where I, it was the one game I can't beat him on, basically. And I remember playing, it was got to be mid 2000s or something like 2006 or so where I would, I'd like to play as Philly and Donovan McNabb was my, you know, that was my team. And 
basically play a franchise with them. And I'd, I'd say, PC, you know, season's over. Can you draft my team? You know, pick my guys. And all of a sudden, I'd have this, you know, middle linebacker that could tackle everybody. And I had a wide receiver that was unstoppable, you know. And it was just, he was, he's just so good at that stuff. But I love the Madden series, loved playing it. They're great games. Gosh, it's down to my top two, isn't it? And then it is. Uh, all right. Uh, Dan, you got that uh, theme song queued up for number two? I'm, I'm ready. You want me to hit it? Please. Halo Combat Evolved, folks. This was the killer app for the Xbox. I mean, the monks chanting. I mean, one of the great theme songs, in my opinion, in all video game history. It just And it gets better from the part that Dan played. But, uh, man, the story was so good. There you go. The violins, man. that song in orchestras now i think the ohio state marching band has played that fucking song i've seen them do that but the game is so Yo great. Ma. <laughs> the game is so damn good uh for first my favorite first person shooter of all time it put xbox on the map the story's great you're fighting the covenant it, it's just got everything i mean there's so many different you know like the uh the plasma grenades that you would throw at things and they would stick to people and then they would explode like the little grunts, the little fucking the the grunt things. You would hit them with a plasma grade. They would run back and hit the elite covenant guys and wipe them out and scream the whole time. And, and the levels were so great. The rocket launcher, the RPG was really popularized by this game. The warthog, the all-terrain vehicle. And, and as great as the story was, then you got the multiplayer, which was like before you can go online and they would system link this shit together. And they'd have like, xboxes all over the house with system link cables running down the stairs so people could play the maps and things like that i mean halo just uh it's it's i mean it was one of the big games that came out in competitive sort of multiplayer and that sort of thing everything about the game is simply fantastic run through the story it's like one of the few games i've beaten on legendary mode which was an absolute nightmare to go through and beat that thing but yeah halo's Number two in my book, man. I don't know if you guys played a lot of it. Uh, it was I had 26 actually, on my list. Yeah, 39 on my list. I played Halo 2, played the shit out of it. I'm pretty sure DP introduced it to me. Well, I guess it's Tony broke up there. I'm sure he was saying something cool about it, but I don't know what it was. Halo rocks. Thank you. That's good enough. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, yeah, I remember playing this one too. It was one of my favorite series. Like you said, when Xbox needed a character, really, too, Halo Master Chief was was basically their character. Um, I, I remember, you know, the, the whole when the flood was introduced in the yes. second one Fuck. drove me fucking nuts. But I love the the Arbiter, the whole the secondary story that they started bringing in with that was just great. The fact that you could take the enemy's weapons and play as the enemy's weapons and were even better than the than the you know <laughs> than the weapons you start out with the plasma guns and stuff and yeah. being able to fly the banshee and the enemy you know fighter planes and stuff god that just awesome awesome game the story's phenomenal 
Yeah, so much to it. A, a branching story that spans five, six games now. I don't. I mean, fantastic, but not good enough for number one. Which, of course, I get to be the first one to disclose my number one. And everybody's, Tony's uh, crossing his arms saying, what the hell does Dave have up his sleeve? My number one greatest video game of all time is Knights of the Old Republic. Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, Patrick's not that thrilled with this, but I don't understand why. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I've never played it, so I can't judge the game. But um, it's just, I, why am I not surprised that it's a Star Wars game from Dave Ungar? That's really what it is. There's a and good... here, here, this is for you too. Here, here you go. Look at my shirt. See, oh, hey, look, Star Wars. The real oh, the day before May the Fourth. That's right. Hey, Patrick, May the Fourth be with you. May the Fourth be spoiled, with all you guys. You spoiled me out, guys. You just spoiled the close of the show. Thanks. <laughs> Damn it. Um, it's because it's, it's three Stand and a half hours. The reason yeah. Knights of the Old Republic is number one on my book is it's a great role playing game. It's got a fantastic story. It was the first game that I can recall that you can go through twice and have it be completely different both times because you can go down the one time and be the light side and become a Jedi. And yeah, you get to wield lightsabers and do all that shit. But then you can go back and play the game and make all the opposite choices where you're nice and helpful the first time through. You go down at the second time, and you're just an absolute prick and a douchebag and you turn into a Sith Lord. And it, you get dark side points. And so it's two completely different games that are stemming off of the same. same yeah, the storyline's kind of linear, linear, but then it branches off and you go in one direction, you're a Jedi. The other direction, you're a Sith. And they play totally different. And you can just like one side, you're, I'm going to help you out. Here's some money. And the next side, now nah, I'm just going to kill your fucking ass. And it's a completely different game. Both times you play it. It's based in the Star Wars universe. It's the extended universe, which I know Patrick knows plenty about the Star Wars extended universe. And Knights of the Old Republic is one of the iconic stories in the Star Wars EU. Um, I've never played. I'm playing through it right now again on my iPad. I went back and bought it for 10 bucks, playing through it again. Simply the most phenomenal video game experience that I've had. We're wrapped around something that I'm passionate about, which is Star Wars. It just, yeah, I, I couldn't find anything that could beat that it's number one for me all right man i i got i got nothing to add because i never played the game it's a game i always wanted to play but it was an xbox game to start and do you a PC have game, and you I have never played it do you have an ios account no actually i don't oh i think it's not even Sorry. on android you can get it on android it's worth 10 bucks man it's you would you would enjoy it patrick i know you like the extended star wars stuff you would like this game I mean, I'm sure it's better than Rise of Skywalker. So, absolutely, um, I agree with you. I agree with you on that. Oh, absolutely, man. better Speaking than Rise of, the of Skywalker. Return of Rick next week. Oh my goodness! DC <laughs> Tunny, you're number one, sir. My number one is a game I've been bumping. Uh, I think uh, the majority of you had on your list. It's Super Mario World for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. <sighs> it is my favorite game of all time to play. It is my favorite game of all time to replay. It is my favorite game of all time to get together with friends and play. I don't know how many times DP, myself, and the aforementioned soon to maybe make appearance somewhere down the line on Bandwagon Nerds because he's a nerd himself. Satchel McClippins is the fact that, and a listener, by the way, that uh, this game is its just fun. It's just everything you wanted from Super Mario and... It's a bigger map. It, there's more worlds. There's more secrets. You can hop on Yoshi. There, there's just all these different things that you can do, and it's fun. 
it's just fun. The main thing for me from the top 50 video games is playability. If it's not playable, it's not replayable. It's probably not on my top 50. Dave, I, I, I keep kicking it to DP, and I see you and Patrick both nodding on this one. What are your guys' thoughts before DP closes this one off? Basically the same thing you had. I mean, there there's... It was like the first Mario game that really all the shortcuts and the weird and Yoshi, of course, I remember Yoshi, but just different ways of approaching things and, and secrets. It was the first game that really I can remember. I mean, I mean, there's probably were other ones, but like I know we talked pitfall pitfall a little bit with passageways and stuff. But this was the first game that really had secrets embedded in the game and and just like eye opening, like, wow. You know, that, that that does that and that does that. And, and I mean, I remember playing the Game Boy Advance version, which was a port of this one. But um, yeah, it's 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 way high. I mean, where was it on my list? I don't even remember. But uh, I know it was in this top 20, 13 for me. Um, yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot to add, Tony. It's a it's a tr- phenomenal, tremendous game. So actually, for me, uh, it wasn't on my list at all. Uh, I never bought it for the Super Nintendo. Believe it or not, it was just it was just not one of those games that I owned. I played along with everybody else. I enjoyed Yoshi. Um, I think it's probably the most memorable character that that folks recall about about that whole thing is that's where we got introduced to him. Um, and you're right, like it's 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 a fun game. It was it's one of those you could pick up, play at any time, uh, and just have and have fun. And that's really what games are all about. At the end of this, is that it's just about having fun. So that's my thoughts on yeah. Super Mario World. Number 10 on my list, it's, yeah, one of those where, you know, going through it, yeah, if it's a red dot level, there's two exits, you know, and you got to try and figure out what that other exit is. And and adding, you know, Star World into there, like I said, Yoshi, and then you had all the different other Yoshis that you could get when you get into Star World where they did different things. You know, every ghost level was, was just phenomenal. When you get to a ghost house, you know, you got to figure out there's two ways to get out. You know, you got to figure out the actual exit to get past the next level and all the different secrets and the the special blocks you can unlock. And yeah, like you said, just one of the most entertaining games where you can just pick it up and play and you don't need to know much else about it except it's Mario. All right. Dan's big my number one. Get that map back out, PC Tunny, because it's Red Dead Redemption 2. Finally, something that <laughs> legitimizing the map. I see. Thank you. Yes, you need to make sure we know there's a map there. That's the only what? way you know someone's looking at a map. What? <laughs> new? I said New Austin. What? Saint Denis. New Austin. What? Elizabeth. Yeah. Just, I mean, following the Grand Theft Auto series and the whole Rockstar thing, Red Dead Redemption just takes it to a, to the next level and is just absolutely phenomenal to play the story is just one of the best i have ever had the privilege to go through and and watch and listen and and play along i i don't sure how far piece i don't think pc's beaten red dead 2 yet so i don't want to give too much away um so just as you watch the characters progress and how they change and i was lucky enough that kind of i don't know if you call it lucky but i never played red dead 1 before this so I didn't know exactly what was going to happen towards the end of this thing. So like knowing how badly I wanted, uh, you know, Dutch Mantel to, they're not Dutch Mantel, <laughs> Dutch Vanderlyn. <laughs> Zeb Coulter's in the game. Damn, we the <laughs> people. W- w- is selling the fox. 
ESPN. Oh, no, Zeb, shut the fuck up. No one cares what you have to say. How badly I wanted to see Dutch get his comeuppance and die so badly, uh, you know, was just awesome. And watching these different characters progress to their insanity or, you know, become more of a good guy uh, was just awesome to watch. Going through the levels, just like Grand Theft Auto, you have so many different side quests, random pop-ups that'll happen, all the different things you can do. You can go hunting and kill legendary animals and you get new outfits and different things from, you know, killing all these different animals that you can do. I mean, you spend hours and hours and hours not even going through the story and doing anything. And, you know, you basically, you know, like you mentioned, bonding with your horse in uh, Skyrim. And if you watch, you end up your horse ends up dying or something after you've done all this bonding. It's like, oh, fuck me. I got to start, you know, a whole new thing with my horse and just brutal things that can happen in this game. I just, I don't know. And you, and talking about, you know, how it influences things you've watched, you know, you know, watching, you know, Westworld and stuff just makes this game even more fun and going, then I go back and watch Deadwood after this. And it's like, Holy fuck. Like I love this so much that it's just completely changed things in my personal life that I enjoy. And like you said, having a game that does that to you and it's that, that just that fun and that engrossing, I, I can't put it anywhere else but number one at this point. Yeah, I had the first one at 25, but I can't add anything that you just added, man. I agree. I actually like the first one better. I actually like Red Dead Revolver uh, a lot, too. I thought that was really good uh, Western uh, shout-out to that. But the cinematics of it and the storylines are ridiculous. I wish you could skip through the writing better than just holding the button and cinematically like taking it like can't we just press square and go like 45 seconds into the future can't you just save me some time there that'd be my only drawback otherwise the expanse the expanse of what's going on in this game is absolutely fucking ridiculous you could literally play it for probably 5,000 hours and not get through everything wow I feel like my number one's going to be kind of a letdown, you guys. Jeez. Uh, my, number, my, my number one is my uh, is far and away my favorite um, JRPG series for the PlayStation. Uh, another turn-based uh, Final Fantasy-esque game, but it's not Final Fantasy. And it's a series of games called the Suikoden series. Originally came out for the PlayStation 1. There's seven of these games. Six of them are available in the PlayStation family. One of them is available in the Nintendo family, but I can't remember which um, which system in, in the Nintendo family that it's available. But the general concept and why I love these games, uh, and if you've heard me talk about a lot of these, is, is amount of character types that there are that exist. And the Suikoden, or Suikoden, depending on who you are and how you pronounce it, series, gives you 108 characters to recruit for this game you the the goal of this game is to recruit the 108 stars of destiny now out of those 108 characters you can't play as all of them because the the basic story is always the same you are a character who is given what is known as one of these true runes and you're tasked with um gathering these 108 stars and bringing them to a, you have a stronghold or a base that you bring them to or a castle. And so some of the characters that you recruit are people who serve a function within the castle. So 
for example, one of them may be your innkeeper so that you can go and rest. One person's going to be your armor merchant and will sell you armor. Uh, and it, it's any, any and all armor throughout the game. But about 75 of them are playable characters of varying skill levels and abilities. And within those 75 characters, there are various combinations that you can bring together that allow them to do special attacks, uh, and do, and it's done through this rune system of battle. So magic is extraordinarily limited. You have X number of spells per rune that you have to use, uh, and you can't get them back until you can fully rest. Uh, and there are three different types of combat within this game because every, um, every game is very similar to what I talked about with Brigandine, where you're trying to unify a continent and it's usually in some state of unrest or civil war. And so your character will go through a party of adventures that kind of follows that traditional, like go through a dungeon, run into monsters, fight a boss sort of scenario. And you have a party of six or you'll have these grand battles that are taking place overland where your characters then take on various roles within your military. And it's a strategic overland full on war battle sort of thing, a la command and conquer. But then they also have these individual battles where you may have to fight a character in a one-on-one duel. And it's done in a rock, paper, scissors style of combat where you're trying. Yeah, exactly. You're trying to guess it out you know one two three shoot and like you win or you don't and if you lose those battles it's game over and stuff like that and so and and you couple that with a great story i think the exception to this is is four four is terrible but i play two more than any other game out of the series i wish five existed on something other than a playstation 2 Um, But right now it is the only one that I can't seem to find available elsewhere to play. Uh, But it's it's my favorite. It has an engaging storyline and the possibilities for your your party and your team are endless. And you can you can play it through again and again and again and again. It's just not the same game. And it has multiple endings, has different results. You don't have to get all 108 to win the game. Um, But by not doing and by doing so, you get different endings. So love that game. It's my favorite of all time, and even more so than any of the Final Fantasy games that we talked about. I think I remember three was the one I played the most. Three was on PlayStation Two, one or two, and um, that was one that they they did this like weird link system. So like you're you had six characters in your party, but the person in the front row was impacted by the person in the back row, and it was really tricky to figure out how to properly win combat when you had a full party and you had to really pay attention to those connections and those links. I feel like a big common theme in what we've been talking about for 50 games and, you know, four plus episodes is enjoyment and playability community community, being able to play it with someone else, whether it's a single game player or, or multi game player and then replayability. Right. I mean, like those three things are the biggest three things that you can, you can have in a video game. And I feel like that's basically what we've been talking about and hitting on the entire time. Yeah, I think that that's, you know, I think that's a very apt way of describing it, Tony. And I think that, you know, when you look at how these games really brought us together with our friends as kids, um, the the amount of hours that we still spend to this day uh, playing video games, 
uh, whether they're immersive worlds, whether they're something as simple as an old Super Mario 3 or Super Mario World. Like, yeah, it's it's what it is. It can be it's such a a great community building experience. And um, yeah, I'm glad that we were able to go through this and kind of and, and sort of go down memory lane as to what makes these games special to us mm-hmm. and has really made it you know made it something that's been meaningful so yeah i'm very i'm very happy with uh being able to share this with you guys i mean i <laughs> i fully intend on going back and playing a lot of these things uh, you know things right. that i things that i've played that i forgot like looking at my list looking at your guys list is like okay i gotta try some of these or go back to some of these that maybe i never made it through all the way years ago or you know now that i'm approach it something different but it's been a great trip down memory lane and I, I know this episode is ridiculously long, but it was our top twenty. Did we talk? Lock, I heard that. Did we talk locking on this episode? Yeah, we did. Okay, that was yesterday. Oh, that was yesterday. Yeah, that was yeah. It's, it's today was a marathon, not a sprint. But I'm glad we did it. Uh, before we go, um, I do want to take a moment, as, as Tony alluded to. Tomorrow will be Monday, May fourth. So may the fourth be with you guys. Um, take some time. There's a lot of good stuff dropping on Disney Plus tomorrow, uh, including a behind-the-scenes um, roundtable sort of series about the making of The Mandalorian that I'm particularly interested in checking out. Um, I'm very excited about that. I have not caught up on Clone Wars, so I will not watch the series finale at the same time as everyone else. The other thing I want to do before we sign off um, is just... Um, Raise a glass to 25 episodes or a glass, you know, something. I'll raise an, an empty bottle. Microphone. I ran out hours ago. <laughs> That's why I brought the other one down. Uh, thank you for spending four years with us. If you're someone who's listened to us, uh, thank you for the 25 episodes. Here's to all of you. Uh, and now tell us, gentlemen, let's start with Dave today. Since he's his bottle is empty and he doesn't need to take a drink, we'll drink while Dave tells everybody where to send the hate tweets and where to find him. Uh, send your hate tweets to at the big Rick 62. Uh, that is where you want to send the hate tweets. <laughs> uh, the everything else you can send to me on Twitter at attitude, AGG or facebook.com slash attitude of aggression. You can find me at it's me DPP all over the worldwide social media interwebs. You can find me, PC Tony, right there at PC Tony. You can check me out on at podcast DWI with the aforementioned DPP and AJB, Andrew, uh, not Andrew, goddammit, I do that all the time, Adam Belaz and his brother, Andrew, and along with the MVP, Christopher Platt, on Pot is War. Uh, not to mention another episode of The Last Dance just dropped, so if you're into the Chicago Bulls thing, we got that going on right there on the chair shot dot com make sure you go to the chairshot.com everything i mean news opinions podcasts everything especially bandwagon nerds you're already listening so yeah cool and you can follow bandwagon nerds at on twitter at bandwagon nerds real easy to remember you can follow me at wrestling realist on the twitter that is at w-r-e-s-t-l-n-g-r-e-a-l-i-s-t you can catch me on bandwagon nerds and this show with the with the guys every tuesdays when this show drops and you can also listen to me on the chair shot radio with craig demarco and miranda morales rumor has it next week rick's coming back we'll find out if that rumor proves to be true we're going to cover the end 
We're going to cover the end of season one of Lock and Key. And who knows? Who knows what else we're going to cover? But this has been four hours, fellas. Everybody, you've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds. Crawl out of the basement because you've been down here so long, you probably smell a little. Did a cow shit in here?